Holy crap, Kind of Funny is going to be at PAX East in a major way. Friday morning at 11.30 will be the Kind of Funny panel with the whole podcast crew. And Saturday will be the Kind of Funny slash Hitman party at Coppersmith at 8 p.m. We'll also be part of six other panels throughout the weekend, like Paxomania and Deus Ex. So check kindoffunny.com slash PAX East for all the details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kind of Funny Games Cast, episode 65. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside my Canadian Maple Leaf, Mitch Dyer. We did it. We're back together they again. They said we'd never get back together, but here we are on a very, very special first ever episode 65 of the Kind of Funny Games Cast. Tim Honored and Nick, I said, get out of here. Yeah. Colin, hit the bricks. Yeah, I was there. Mitch Dyer's coming through. And I want to talk to Mitch Dyer all to my lonesome. I, I have a special. I'll tell you if you if, I'll see one of Tim's lines. If you if you're if, if you're if you're supporting us on Patreon, this one's worth the dollar. This is a good one. You're going to get a good show here. I love Mitch. One of my most fascinating people in the you're industry. You're hyping this up a lot. I, I know you're going to deliver. I'm sorry about your dollar. I know you're going to deliver. I don't know why he says that either, because it's always more than a dollar. <laughs> if, you're, if you're getting early access to the I'm show, about your ten dollars. It's five or ten dollars. But he always dollars. says it's worth the dollar. But I think he's going back to when we used to make you pay on Bandcamp. It's a grandfathered in term, a colloquialism. You ever heard of that? You, yeah. ever, you have those yeah, up in from Canada? colloquial times. From colloquial times. That's right. That's right. This has been a great show. I'll talk to you next time. <laughs> if you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Kind of Funny Games cast. Each and every week, we come to you. Sometimes two, sometimes three, sometimes four. Best friends who gather around this table. Each bring a random video game discussion topic for you. I'm using the Game Over Greggy intro because yeah, I, I don't host this show. I'm here once every 65 weeks. I like that a lot too. M- mental note. Write down that joke. One thirty. He's got to come back. One thirty. Mitch has got to come back. Is that math? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Uh, If you know, this is the video game show. We get it together. We talk about topics pertaining to the video game industry and things. If you like that, you can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can support us and get each and every episode early along with a bunch of exclusive perks and bonuses. If you have no money or buck to toss us. Like you? Did you point yourself on that one? I'm super broke. I'm unemployed. (laughs) you can head over to youtube.com slash kind of funny games where we put up the show topic by topic day by day until we post the entire thing as one big video in mp3 the following friday you've got that spiel on lockdown and that's why i fucked up the first part because i'm doing the game the game over greggy part but it's hard to insert nah, game game dead now it's all about the games cast it is all about the games cast probably what'll be our best episode ever everybody suck it colin <laughs> he doesn't care <laughs> Colin's happy to be in his room playing Ratchet and Clank yeah. he's getting ready to go to a home front event right now which the let's play will already be live by the time you see this youtube.com slash kind of funny games so go there and watch it unless something horrible went wrong that's always the problem what if it's a really bad let's play then don't go watch it no still go watch it I don't care just give me the view yeah, give fine. me the money Leave I don't comment, care about any of the content but make it a nice comment yeah. even if it's a bad video exactly you tried Colin exactly Colin tried really hard at that game and you know Thanks it, it turns out his thumbs just aren't what they used to be and he can't keep yeah. up He's so used to playing the Vita now that when he tries to play with the DualShock, it just doesn't work. Colin's hands are just perpetually like this. Yeah, yeah. For a number of reasons. Not just <laughs> not just the controller one. Mitch Dyer, how the hell are you? I'm doing all right, man. I'm unemployed. Yes, uh, that's the big thing. I'm, I'm between jobs. If, for, if you don't know who Mitch Dyer is, worked at IGN for how long? F- almost five years. And you just quit? Yes. Okay. You since, so you're coming to work for Kind of Funny like everybody else? Yeah. Of course. Great. Oh, good. I'm glad yeah. we can say yeah. No, you haven't no. announced where you're going. I've not. Uh, I have a new thing lined up. I'm currently unemployed, so I'm hanging out here. Okay. Just uh, you know, doing whatever I want to do on my unemployed days. It's great. What does the public know about what you're doing next? Nothing. Okay. They know that I have a job <laughs> lined up, and that's it. Okay. Uh, I can't say a whole lot. Okay. 
but soon I will be able to share more. Uh, but what I can say is I'm gonna I'm leaving Games Press, which is what I've done for the better part of a decade, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm gonna go make a game. Well, thank you. Congratulations! Well, thank you. That's well, thank very you. exciting. Yeah. Of course, your Twitter's been promoted. That's what people should follow to go. keep up with when you announce there things and when you. Is, is it, does our timeline sync up? It'll Friday. Be, this episode goes live very soon. Okay. Okay. Very okay. soon. Very soon. Very soon. Very soon. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that whole thing, games journalists and whatnot. But when we have a guest on, what I like to do, or what Tim likes to do, and I'm just ripping him off. That's fine. Is start with who is blank the guest? Who is Mitch Dyer? Big question. I want to know more about you, Mitch. Okay. I know you're Canadian. Yeah, I know you were nipping at my heels for a long time. Is that when true? We were, when we, I don't know about that, but I remember yours is a name when I started at IGN and was getting my my sea legs or whatever. I remember when your name started getting kicked around more and more. And yeah. I see you in there, Mitchy D, Mitchy D on the, on the Twitter. They're talking about it. And I remember you wrote an article one day that I always bring up to you and you always forget about. But it was the top gaming personalities to follow on Twitter. Oh, yeah, of course. And you put me on there. Did I? Yeah, and you said... I didn't put Alex Navarro on it. Suck Fuck you, the wolf. What a piece of garbage that guy is. The worst PAX wrestling champion we've ever had. Yeah. Um, you put me on there and you said, I, what I knew, I respected about you is that you knew who you're writing about because you put on there like, you know, there's many people and he talks about PlayStation, but the coolest thing about Greg is that if you tweet at him, he's likely to tweet back. And I was like, oh, somebody noticed that I go out of my way. That was actually just my <laughs> ploy to get attention. It worked. Look at that. And I, I reached over and I said, Pear Schneider, hire this man. And then it was. And three years later, exactly. <laughs> he hired Casey Lynch. Casey. No. So I want to know, yeah. dial me all the way back. Where? I'm, I see a glacier in Canada. Yeah. And that's where you were born. Yeah. A little baby igloo on top of a glacier. Uh, no, I'm from a, I'm from a small town in Alberta, Canada. Rural farmland place. Okay. Uh, and I had like the most uneventful usual high school life of all time but in the middle of that i was like oh it's cool that we get to play like diablo 2 at the computer lab after hours and uh, the vice principal installed it on all the machines in hindsight they were probably all pirated copies sure yeah of course <laughs> he definitely didn't buy he wasn't like, giving that money to blizzard of, uh, i'm of such diablo a fan here you all go <laughs> yeah uh and then that was sort of like like i'd played games my entire life as which is the most boring thing in the world to say on a video game podcast Yeah, but i mean it, it speaks to your credibility and where you, you what you, where you came my from street cred uh yeah so I, and I, because of that, like I grew up on EGM and OPM and Nintendo Power and all these magazines, and it clicked one day. Like I want to do this. Was like, it hard? I mean, to be in such a rural part of town in totally, a rural- yeah, yeah. Because I was in a, a a small town where, like, there wasn't opportunities of the kind of thing that I thought about. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. Like, I'm trying to think of like what anybody else grew up to do. Farm farm yeah like it was a lot of stuff like that are there a lot of pro wrestlers coming out of there I know <laughs> there was a lot of amateur wrestling yeah? in town yeah because yeah. yeah. you know Lance sure. storm he was from calgary alberta canada um so was bret hart yeah but Lance storm said it all the time i don't get me wrong i like bret hart i was a bigger own hart all fan right. rest right. Right. but uh, yeah all i don't right. even, i understand what you're saying yeah uh yeah like i just and this is not to speak ill of anybody there i just literally don't remember uh and i'm sure lots of people went on to do big grand things uh like a friend of mine i went to high school with was he worked on deadpool and oh, nice uh another friend of mine like went to work on warcraft okay uh so people are doing things of course uh but like everybody you know i feel like when you're in a small town like your biggest goal in life is get out but i still love that town like i part of me still feels like i'll end up there someday do Who you knows? get back a lot uh, not as often as I would like, but like once a year now, like ever since moving to California for IGN after like working freelance in Alberta for don't spoil your story, don't spoil your story. However long, uh, I go back about once a year. Okay, where are we on the timeline? You're still uh, you're still there in high school Diablo. You started reading EGMs Thank and you. all these magazines. You're uh, like this is because th- th- that was me too. But see, for me, it was that I started. I have that moment of when GamePro clicked, and I was like, this is what I want to do. And yeah. I, but I was a bigger EGM fan, and finally looked and I was like. 
EGM's two suburbs away from me in Chicago. Oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like I, that, that that suddenly became such a real dream. Yeah, and in like rural Canada, never mind if I lived in a major city or in like the East Coast where a lot of game dev stuff exists. Like it just never crossed my mind that this was even possible. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I'd like to do it. So I'd like wrote for my high school newspaper, and there was like a startup magazine in town that I was like, cool, I'll write the Spider-Man movie review for this thing when I'm 16 years old and have literally no idea how to write. Yeah. Uh, and I just did that because it was like I. I'm pretty good at English. I'm pretty terrible at everything else. I guess I should harness this in some way uh, to make an English degree worthwhile. So I just started writing about video games and I started my own blog after working on like one up blogs for sure. However long, like starting my own thing and just been doing that for a while and going, well, I kind of know what I'm doing, right? I think I do. I'm going to just start a website with a friend. And we did that for a while uh, and did that until I just randomly got the attention of an editor at OXM, Dan Amrick, who's now at Ubisoft. Yeah. I interviewed him for our uh, our little startup website. Just be like, how oh, how the games journalism secretly employed just to get all the secrets, sure, and hot tips. I'll just I'll just duplicate his strategy. Yeah, well, and then after that interview, I just didn't stop bugging him. Like I just stayed in touch in like the least annoying possible way I could think of. And postcards at a yeah yeah le- <laughs> handwritten letters that were thirty. Hey, pages Dan, long. just thinking about you. Uh, and eventually. I it's funny like I got a stray email from him that was clearly meant to be addressed to somebody else talking about getting me on as freelance mm. and I was like I don't know if I should reply to this <laughs> because it's very clearly not meant for me he must have just slipped him like thinking cool Mitch typed my name right, right, right. and I waited and then like three weeks later the editor he meant to email got in touch with me like oh man hey like sorry we totally meant to get in touch do you want a job doing some stuff for us for money and I like I literally didn't know what that meant I didn't know what <laughs> how old are you at this time maybe 20 okay maybe what are you doing for a day job then i was working at a styrofoam factory that is awesome yeah <laughs> doing the most like the laziest easiest job in a manual labor factory that you could possibly do like i literally put a vacuum in a box full of like millions of little beads that become the stuff that's in like yeah. beanbag chairs and like they manufactured that and pressed it and it like you use it for siding and really boring stuff that you put like under the roads to keep the roads warm in canada during the winter sure and it was like the most awful boring factory job of all time and i would like write while i was there because i had a really easy nice. job so i bring my laptop and just write while i did my super easy job and are you writing fiction or are you writing stories no this was all like i'm writing about video games like i'm playing oh, games okay. in my spare time i'm trying to build up pr contacts i'm trying to figure out how to be a better writer and do all of this um and like i gave up on creative writing pretty early out of high school like i wrote a lot in high school and it was all terrible and i was like well this is all terrible and i don't know how to get better so i quit you know like you do when you're ambitious let your dreams go <laughs> <laughs> um so i took this job i was like well i should get this job i'm not ready for college maybe i'll save for college and go in a couple of years uh got my first freelance job did that for a while decided like okay i'm going to i'm trying to remember the order of things i think i went to college for a couple of years and got the jo- the the IGN job opportunity presented itself after like years and years of freelancing. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it wasn't because you were freelancing. It seemed like forever. Yeah, and I was doing magazine stuff. Like I did stuff for GamePro, AtGamer, OXM, PTOM, uh, a bunch of different online the games radar and different online outlets that like whoever would have me, I would just sure. pitch everybody. And the minute it, it was weird because the minute I had my name on OXM it was suddenly like gates opened everywhere where it's like, Oh, you're, you write for someone legitimate. You're approved in some fashion. Yeah, Somebody's looking like, at your stuff. OXM hooked me up big time. Like I got a dev kit from them or oh, a, nice. a debug unit. The test. Yeah. PS2? So, so the, uh, no Xbox 360. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah. Come on, Greg. I, I was got you. <laughs> I was hung up on peace. I'm like, I know that yeah, magazine, yeah. the better one. What up, Scott? Damn. Uh, so I got my, my uh, debug unit to like review pre-release 
games and i reviewed a bunch of trash and you know as you gave, gave a lot of as, as every freelancer does yeah, you give a lot of fours to sevens uh best case and the minute i had that debug kit i was like hey oxm like you gave me this can i use this like yeah we don't care like do our work now. but yeah do whatever yeah, you want and else. i was like oh cool so i went to GameSpot right away and was like hey do you guys need people and immediately started freelancer for GameSpot. Like, oh you have something. a debug kit no freelancer has a debug kit it was like a hyper rare thing like three freelancers i've known ever had a debug kit right which is crazy because like, why would Microsoft ever send me a debug kit? It will send this kid, rural in the, Alberta. this kid in the middle of nowhere. Totally. will send one of these $15,000 machines. So it was like my entire career, like the, the running theme throughout everything is that people literally just hand me dreams every time. Like with this freelancing thing, it was like, here's everything you need to become a very successful freelancer. Yeah. So I like quit my job, freelance full time, went to school. How, so I want to know that. How long, how long did it take before you were quitting the styrofoam factory to go out there and freelance? Uh, years. Okay. Still. Cause I was still like, well, I make decent money freelancing and it's like good extra money to have, but I still like, I was so insecure about like, what if I don't have a full-time job? How do I, how do I live my life without a job? Yeah. Like still not thinking that freelancing was the job. Right. And if I quit the factory, I could do double the work. If I could do more <laughs> freelance, yeah. I can make more money. But the, the factory paid really well. So I sure. It uh, sounds like a sweet gig. Yeah. And it was, it was perfect. I made a lot of money and I hung out and I made a lot of bad decisions as a young person with my money. And, uh, and, you know, like you do. Yeah, of course. So I, I quit. I freelanced full time for a little bit before I was like, okay, I'm going to actually go to school now. Went to college for a couple of years, freelanced the whole time, missed classes because I was like, well, I'm on deadline, so I'll skip religious studies this week. Sure. Uh, which don't ever do that. Just go to your fucking classes. Go to religious studies, everybody. <laughs> it's a good class. Religion is really cool. There's a lot of interesting things about religion and theology. Let us tell you about them. <laughs> we immediately detour. <laughs> the Mayans. No. The Mayans. Uh... I mean, the timeline. I'm you're, in college. Cl- you're in college. You're for full time freelancer. You're skipping classes. Oh, so I hit this point, uh, and that's when IGN sort of approached me. Like Casey Lynch, who was the EIC at IGN at the time, and I'd I'd worked with and maybe for Casey a couple times in the past because he had flip flop between editorial and PR. Uh, and he went to IGN, was the editor in chief, and was like, "Hey, do you want a job?" And I was like, "That's funny. You're like Canada. I mean, you're in the United States. It's funny." Yeah. And he's like, "No, literally, like here, fill this paperwork out. This will begin the visa process. We want you to come work for us." Nice. And I was like, this is crazy. I don't want to be in the middle of a semester next year and have this visa get approved and have to go to the States. I'm going to drop out of college for a semester, give IGN the semester to figure out if we can do this. And if I get it, I go. If I don't, I go back to school. And it was like down to the wire. It was like I had to either, like I packed all my stuff and assumed that I was moving just in case. But it was packed to either go to the States or go back to school. And it was like the week before I had to actually finish like reapplying for all my classes. That they were like, hey, uh, this thing got approved. You're going to move to the fucking United States. I was like, uh, okay. So I packed everything I could fit in my car. I drove down and I got an apartment with a friend. I wired him $3,000 to pay for the apartment because California is really fucking cool. It's, yeah, yeah. Rent here is wonderful. Uh, got the place and drove down on a Friday morning, arrived Saturday night, went to work Monday morning. Damn. What did your parents think when you quit your job to freelance for video games? They, my mom for a long time, like my dad was like, oh, cool. Cool. Video games are cool. You're writing about being in school. My mom knew that like I grew up reading these magazines, but she was still very hesitant because my mom is very, she's not protective, but she's very like, hey, make sure everything's okay. Yeah. And if, if it's not okay, fucking figure it out. Like she's, I had a job when I was 12 cause she was like, Hey, you should get a job. You're 12. You're like, I don't think labor <laughs> laws like, allow uh, that mom. Yeah. <laughs> so and I did like hockey refereeing, which was cool. That is a kick ass. And that's a very Canadian job. <laughs> Super Canadian. Yeah, dude, my dad drives a Zamboni in the winters. Like God, that's his, that's his family. second job. Uh, how much did you know about hockey when you became a hockey referee? Oh, all of it. I've been playing for years. Okay, cool. Um, we, we everybody at IGN, I was just assume is just like me and has no sports 
acumen at all. I had a lot more than I do now, for sure. Like, now I sort of pretend to follow baseball. Oh, sure. Like, I, because my family is, like, very deep in Detroit Tigers. Okay. So, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I like the Tigers. I, li- I love watching baseball. I love going to baseball, but I don't keep up with baseball. Sure. And it's like, this. I can already see the trajectory of, like, I started to care, and now I don't. And that was exactly my hockey career. Was sure. Like, I really care about hockey. I follow hockey. I don't care. Yeah, okay. You know what? This I don't need this. No. Now all I care about is Dota 2. That's my favorite sport. Save that. We got that in reader questions coming out. Same way. I bet we do. Esports shenanigans uh yes my mom was always very paranoid about like are these games people legit like they're are they really gonna pay and then i showed her like a check i got for twelve hundred dollars for a couple magazine features around she was like okay no problem i need a car i like rewrote a cover story once like i did ghostwriting for a cover story because like there was a cover story that somebody wrote for a magazine that was really bad yeah and the editor-in-chief sent it to me on a friday and was like i need this sunday night can you rewrite this entire thing based on what they wrote having you have not gone to play this game in sure. another country and i was like i'll do what i can and she's like cool is nine hundred dollars enough and i was like that'll like, be no twelve hundred what did i knew um and that was that like getting that check was where she was like all right this is fucking cool <laughs> like you're doing all right um and then when it was like hey i'm gonna get a salary and benefits and live in san francisco she was like holy shit this is a real thing yeah and she obviously she's like oh this sucks my son is moving away but it's also like cool that you're going to do something you've wanted to do for years only child uh younger sibling two years okay he or she's still trapped up there she is still in canada that's why your mom's like whatever i got one you can get out of here she's also got the granddaughter now so she's like whatever oh my god man she's fulfilling all the check boxes yeah okay great now here uh, the other week two weeks ago yeah we had andrea renea and she ran us through her side of the industry as a host right because that's very different stuff exactly but it was the same i have the same question for her that i have for you because like my journey and to an extent colin's journey are pretty similar in the way of like my resume is i graduated college and i worked at the newspaper and then i went to ign and then i found my business you know what i mean like i never was like in the the lurch like yeah were there times as a freelancer where you're like i'm almost out of money this isn't gonna work no there was a period where I worked for Future US a lot, and that was like official Xbox Magazine, PlayStation the official magazine, Games Radar at Gamer, and there was this like very bleak period where they were like, "Hey, uh, our budget just got like annihilated, decimated, yeah. and we don't have a freelance budget anymore." So there were months where it was like me, Andrew Gruen, Andrew Hayward, Tim Seppala, and all these people that I knew from like coming up with as freelancers were just like, "What the fuck do we do?" Like this was our primary point of income; we have nowhere else to go. Uh, and which ended up not being true because with the amount of time you had free to not work at future, you had time to do stuff for everyone else. Sure. And it was that kind of pressure that made me go like, okay, like I need to really develop a good pitch. I need to figure out how to pitch something cool and smart and interesting that nobody else is doing. And I got in the habit of doing that. Did you take classes for that or is that stuff you picked no, up No, this on? was all like most things I learned was from other freelancers, like nice. talking to people who were also coming up like I would throw a, like I'd write a pitch and send it to a freelancer who was like this sucks change this do it like this okay cool that's better thank you and we would just back and forth and trade ideas and edits and things like that yeah see that culture is so fascinating to me because that was the thing of just coming in and like already being there you know yeah, I, and yeah. I skipped associate editor at IGN I was just an editor and okay. I jumped in and did all the stuff and I you know it was a different world back then a different time for sure and I'm sure it is now like I don't know like uh, the freelancers I know I don't know if they have the same relationships I did with everyone else yeah like, I don't know if the, the IGN freelancers that I worked with talked to anybody else but each other. I'm sure they did. But, like, because of the nature of, like, hey, we need your attention a lot more at IGN. Uh, and also, you're all together in, like, a Slack channel or a Skype channel or whatever. Everyone's talking to each other. They're probably off in private threads talking about stuff, asking questions, getting help. I hate Mitch. Yeah, probably. Um, but before I had access to any of that, it was just like, oh, I know... 
Tim from Twitter. Hey, let's talk to Tim for a while. Hey, Tim, I need I need help. Can you look at this? Yes, right, right. but can you look at this? Cool. We just mm. trade. Mm. So then, even though it's not the same, I mean, I, starting when we're on this pitch thing, what do the keys do good pitch? Like, what if somebody who wants to pitch something to an editor? Even, like, even, you know, I guess not for you as much because yeah. you're news, but like feature stuff at IGN. If you wanted to pitch a good feature, what do you need to do? I mean, the, the thing that I always told people, and this is like only a kind of an answer to that question, but like read stuff that's not games writing. Like if you want to work in games writing and you want to do games journalism stuff, read it obviously, but read it because a, you're interested in B, you need to find out what's good and what's bad. So look at what people are doing and there are certain patterns you'll notice like, Oh, they're doing a lot of list features. I should probably pitch a list feature. Mm-hmm. Even though you might not be super passionate about list features because nobody really is. They do them because they're necessary and a lot of people read them. Uh, but writing them isn't the most fun thing in the world, but you can still come up with a cool list feature. Sure. And basically if you come up with something and you're like, cool, have I read this anywhere? Would I read this if I saw it on a website? And if the answer to that is no and yes, then you're good to go. Like if, if it's not something you've ever seen, you're probably already on the right track. If it's interesting to you, it's probably interesting to a lot of different people. Uh, and then when you pitch that to somebody, give them the elevator version, not the, so I've, I'm from a small town in Alberta and I never <laughs> dreamed that I'd be a freelance just be like hey greg i have a really cool idea for a feature here it is let me know what you think and then you start negotiating fees i think that's a good point because like i freelanced a like for me i was asking you know if you got learned if you got learned if someone taught you how to do pitches right because when i got a degree in magazine journalism at mizzou that was something we did you know and they taught you and i remember i you know i have like three or four freelance things under my belt right that were like when i left and I was working at the Tribune before I got the the column and blog about gaming, you know, Inquest Gamer or whatever. I'd hit up and pitch all these different little features to, and it was, I think the thing people lose all the time is brevity because you're, you're like you are as as a freelancer. You, know, you can speak to more to it, obviously, than I. But you are such a, a, a gnat in this person's world of their inbox. Totally, like you are as somebody who has an idea that they might be able to fill a page with, or get rid of some of their budget with to get a cool feature on and hopefully like embed a bunch of videos in it or whatever the whatever their approach is like that and like that thing i just explained is five things that are not the freelancer so editors who are really interested in a good story are also thinking about 10 million other things right and there is no trick to like getting an editor's attention there's just not like sometimes your email gets buried sometimes they look at your pitch and go like uh that's good i might come back to that or no we already did that and like not everyone's going to give you a reply and that Mm -hmm. sucks Mm -hmm. but that's just the nature of it is like people are too busy to answer every email they ever get. Like I didn't answer every email I ever got from you. Never mind somebody who's like, Hey, will you give me money to do something? Meanwhile, Colin answered an email from me during Colin and Greg live today. Nice. I was like, what are you doing? Running inside. You got to run a business, man. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we wear a lot of hats. A lot of different things are happening. Yeah. So when you come over for IGN and you're one of Casey's hires, like I remember I oh God, it was it 2011. Uh, sorry. 20, it was late 2011. I got, full-time contract at IGN. I stopped freelancing. I got paid my salary in Canada, which was amazing. Uh, and then I moved to California. I lost all that money forever. Of course. Uh, but it, it was February, tax, 20, February 2012 is when I started at IGN. Okay. Because I remember when Casey said he was going to hire you, and I'm not sure if it's when you were satellite then or if you were there, but we we went to a PAX together and we were get, about to get the demo of Mass Effect or whatever it would have been. Three. And we walked into the thing and I remember standing next to you and be like, oh, that's Mitch, I yep. think. I know him I know him as the Twitter icon. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he... And then finally at the end we talked about it and it was like, cool. And then, you know, well, however... Oh, yeah, because you were teasing me that I was like wrapping Casey around my finger and I was like, he came to me. I yeah, 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 <laughs> didn't yeah, do yeah. anything. It's well, it was like, because it was so... You know, Casey came in and like he brought people in. 
And it was like that thing yeah. of like, here we go. Like these are, we need to get going and here are my people. And we're yeah, bring... and it was like, you'd come in one day and be like, oh, here's a new guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, it, and it was like, for you, I, I knew Mitchy D. You had been tweeting. But not a lot before. of people at IGN did. Like I had met Clements, but when I started, Clements didn't really remember me. He sucks. Clements, Clements. Classic fucking Clements. Clements is on top of this ivory tower. He doesn't remember anybody oh unless God. they're Jack Trenton. You know what I mean? Go buy his short story, Farious Foxford. It's really good. Yes, and do that. Uh, yeah, and I started, and there were a lot of people that just like didn't know who I was, and like Casey had talked me up as like I'm bringing this guy, and he's really great, and everyone was like, "Fuck this guy!" Out of the <laughs> game, like the the deck was sort of stacked against me. Not that IGN were bad people by any means. It was just there was an established expectation of like what I was going to be able to do, and it's like he's just some fucking freelancer coming yeah. in full time because he got brought on. Like that's it. And he's like, yeah, that's how I felt too. <laughs> so it was sort of a trial by fire. Like I had all these people that expected something of me and I just really wanted to hit those expectations. And I guess I did because nobody hated me. Right. Like I sort of fit. It took me a, a bit to get comfortable because I was like out of the office a lot. So I didn't actually get to meet that many people. Uh, and then we had layoffs like a month after I started. So it was like this tumultuous thing of like, I don't know where I fit until a, after a like enough time spending time with people and sure. going out to lunches and was like oh no i totally fit with like literally everyone here this is great yeah well i remember the old days when i used to always joke about it when you when and this is i think even before casey's time but like when we used to bring people into ign and stuff i always used to say that we were <laughs> totally a group of cats and when you know all the other cats are chill with each other and you bring in the new cat and everybody hates the new cat <laughs> and then just like one day it's like oh you're one of us you're one of the yeah, cats yeah. you're one of the cats in this house it's fine yeah and there was no like defining moment that flipped the switch it was like i just walked into work one day and everything was comfortable that means a lot. Love so me. then you stay there for five years. What do you get hired on as originally? Associate editor. Okay. Um, was the beat Xbox or was that just what yeah, your expertise was? Yeah, I was hired on to work at Xbox. Then we hired Ryan McCaffrey to be my boss May. After I was there, February, Ryan McCaffrey was May. And we did E3 together. We like went to the conference and did all the Xbox stuff. And it was like shortly after that, it was like maybe a year later where we totally dissolved the, the teams. channel teams. Yeah. And it became about previews, features, reviews, and news all in separate verticals the same way it used to be channels and McCaffrey and I never really we still always did the Xbox stuff same as you and Colin we're yeah, still sounds like, familiar. well we're just going to gravitate to our PlayStation because that's what we've always done yeah and that's what we're really really good at and that's where we are connected so we just kept doing that and we did the podcast unlocked obviously uh like you guys did beyond and over time like I gravitated more toward news and reporting and started working with Goldfarb uh Andrew Goldfarb com. has he been on this show before no please we'd never have him on here fuck that guy only people who get to come, <laughs> if it's not a special event you have to quit to come on the show G, unless it's gdc then anybody can come on through. that's true uh yeah so i started working with andrew on news and sort of just stayed there for a while and then every now and then it'd be like okay i'm gonna go on a big like i do first features. trip with mccaffrey yeah, yeah, yeah. and do features and do because basically like the thing i found out is like at ign you need to be versatile you can't just come in and be like i'm the xbox guy and i'm only ever gonna write about xbox it's like no like do that, but also be extremely capable on video and be ready to write a feature and be ready to break sure. out a breaking news story and do an interview and take out all the great quotes and make a story and a feature out of that. It's like, it's a lot. You need to be thinking about a lot in any given moment in the games press. Yeah, no. And I think that's like the biggest way it's all changed. You know what I mean? We'll talk about that in a little bit. Though. So why? I mean, you keep going, you get drawn to news and that's pretty much where you stay for a long time. Yeah, right? mostly at like two 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 years two and a half years or something like that i think i can't remember when i made the jump officially but like i pulled steve our eic into a room and was like hey i want to do news full-time like i don't want to 
I can't remember what I was doing at the time. Maybe previews. I don't really remember, but I was like, news seems really cool, and I think I'm really good at it, so let me do that, and let me have more time to do reporting and meeting with sources and trying to find cool stories. I remember that. You wanted to go, like, because you wanted to go, like, go, like, this is a bad reference, and I know you don't like it, but stick with me. You were the guy of, like, like Lois Lane and Batman v Superman, who was like, I need to go to Washington for a few days. Totally got this thing to chase, da-da-da-da. Yeah, and he was like, I'm going to take a lunch with a source and come back and have some intel, and I'm not going to write anything today, but I have information for a story that I'll write two months from now right that's fascinating isn't that cool so weird and it's like (laughs) it was a brief moment in my entire career where i was doing actual journalism yeah and it's like i'm i'm hunting stuff down and i'm chasing leads and it's weird like because you write news every day but it's like yeah okay call duty announced dlc coming for whatever and there are definitely stories to find and you know if you do an interview with a dev you can get some good quotes and talk about what you know making their game meant or what it means for players things like that but it was the the moment where I had free time to just be like, okay, I'm going to trust Goldfarb. He's going to take care of all that shit, and I'm going to go over here and do my own thing and come back with a story in a week. Yeah, and you loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I loved Chasing News. And, and then, we got like a lot of really cool stories because I had the, the time and energy to do it. And then what happened? Because now you're leaving it. I am leaving, leaving it. All it. Behind. Yeah, yeah. Poor Goldfarb. For Phantom, totally alone. Phantom jo- Game Job. Phantom Game Job. I like that. Uh, that yeah, sounds sexy. It just... <laughs> It, it, I reached this point and I think a lot of people in media do where you look at what's next and it's this ocean of other opportunities or climbing the game's press ladder and both are appealing for different reasons and some people stay on the ladder and they climb up the game's ladder and they, you know, they run websites mm-hmm. they, they start their own website, whatever, like this guy, uh, or you look at totally different things because the skill set you've developed in the press starts to align with different stuff like i don't i think anybody who comes into the games press and decides i'm going to do this and then use it as a launch pad to make games is coming at it with the wrong head and they're gonna they're not it's just not gonna work like you can't come into the games press with the mentality of i'm gonna leave it eventually to make games sure because you're coming into the job for the wrong reasons you're not gonna be into the job you're not gonna be very good at the job and then you're not gonna have the skills or talents to make a game. You won't be the kind of guy who or gal that people want to stick around or that want to work with or want to give information to. Yeah. Like if you're around people to use them for something else, then you're benefiting nobody. Yeah. So go like, if you want to make games, go make a game. If you want to write for games or write about games, write about games. Like if you want to do something, just go do that thing. Um, but I think the reason you see a lot of people in the press leave for dev isn't because it's what they were planning all along. It's because that's what, their interests sort of became like you talk about games long enough with people who make them that you start to think like, Oh, like this guy is thinking on another level and you start thinking about that more and more. And then you take that information to your next interview and you ask a more intelligent question because now you have the knowledge. Sure. And eventually you start having conversations with devs in a more unified way than you used to. Like it, it used to be, I used to ask how many weapons this game had. And now I'm asking like how they, you know, changed a system with the engine and how like the art teams collaborated with whatever, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. technical uh, stuff, not, not back of the box. Yeah, it's like, and it's hard without like a specific example to give a general answer to that. But you start thinking about the design of a game and the creation of the game and not just the game itself. Sure. And I feel like those kinds of conversations make you think about games differently when you play them. At which point a lot of people start going like, I wonder if I could do this. And some people go like download game maker, they download unity and they start tinkering with stuff. They start writing a story in Twine and then they publish it and it's just there. And like people do these things, uh, a few of them. Yeah. Like I tinkered with unity and I tinkered with Twine and I tinkered with unreal and never really made anything like, Oh, this is a game, but it's like, Oh, I (laughs) I understand now 
why when I cross a certain threshold in a game, the trigger happens and now it, it creates like a lighting thing or it creates a script that allows a, a actor to enter the screen, whatever those kinds of things. Like I have a better understanding of that. I still don't know anything about the act of like designing a game. Sure. At all. <laughs> and like the thing I'm most excited about going to dev is like, I want to sit next to a designer and be really annoying and be like, Hey, I want to sit here all day and just watch you. Hey, build whatever questions. you're building. And let yeah, me watch and then I'm going to pest you about why you're doing it. Cause sure. I want to know this stuff. Like, I want to know you. how it They're works. They're going to love you at this job. I hope so. A lot of th- things are going to get done. Like, yeah. this is, shouldn't you be doing something, <laughs> sir? I feel like you should be doing yeah, something. That's why I'm here, right? I'm going to just look at what you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, so I guess like why leave is like, I just, I started thinking about what I wanted to do in a very different way based mm. on what I had learned at IGN. And I could definitely like keep applying those skills to IGN and do more cool stuff and make a lot of fun videos with my friends, which I still would love to do. But there came an opportunity again, like this was just handed to me. It was, Hey, touch you. Sorry. I'm handing myself to you as well. Oh, uh, yeah. This job opportunity I have now that I still can't talk about. Just like it fell into my lap as somebody being like, Hey, do you want this? I was like, this is preposterous. Why do you want to give me this job? Okay, cool. Let's talk about this. And yeah. then, you know, it's it's one of those things like you you feel like you don't deserve it, but then you look at what you did to earn it and what you did to prove to people why you're the right person for the job. And it's like, oh, okay, no, I do feel good about this. And I do feel like I've sort of got skills that are worthwhile. Do you, so you say you sort of do this, you do it. Are you still every day trying to force yourself to believe in yourself on that one, right? Because like for me, look at me, everything <laughs> I've done right has been... Uh, natural progression in a way, right? Sure. They give me up at noon and I'm bad at up at noon, but I eventually <laughs> get competent up at noon and then start doing more YouTube stuff. You know what I mean? And then it's like, well, now I'm just going to go off and do that. I'm just going to be on video. Of I course. think that might just be the professional pressure of like, okay, IGN is going to do a lot of video. Greg, we'd like you to do a lot of video or like, Hey Mitch, read a news video for yeah. the first time ever with no script and having read the news story once, memorize everything, just do it. And it's like, man, this is like going back to my theater class, but right. instead of, having a shitty performance on night one and feeling okay about day two. It's like, no, we just published it and, and uh, 400,000 people watched it because you talked about Metal Gear Solid 5. And they hate you. And it's like, <laughs> I'm so, like, I go back and watch old videos and it's like, man, it's painful. Kids send me all the time the old video reviews. The last guy comes up a lot and it's just like, yeesh. Because it was like, I remember, I remember vehemently being opposed to when they were like, we're doing video, we're going to change the way we do video reviews. Now you have to come in with a script. Because before yeah, it would be, all right, go. And we'd be like, all right, man, let me tell you about this game. Uh, this is cool. And uh, this and that. And I just like eight minutes of rambling yeah. with us and Oz. And like, they're just trying to find footage to apply to yeah. this. Yeah. And then they give you, you write your own script and you're just like, today, the video games, it's like really hard to read a script and not sound boring. Yeah. Um, so like one of my first video reviews that like really mattered, like one of my first big game reviews that I did was Ninja Gaiden 3 which I uh, legendarily gave a 3.0, like, which I still get shit about. Oh, no. Really? The internet? That game is not good. Internet getting mad about video game reviews? Uh, but I go back and I watch the video review, and I vividly remember how all this can be. It's like, I played this game and I hated it. And I was just like sad having played this game for this long. And I wrote the script and I was burned out from just like playing it all day and writing all day. And like it was all I was thinking about. And I was just bummed out about everything. <laughs> so that was bad enough. But then I stayed home and was like, oh, shit, I can't stay home. I'm sick today, but I have to go in. Yeah. Because I have to do this VO for this video review. And, like, I'd never really done a VO for a video review. It was my first time really reading a script that I had written. And I was sick as hell. And the video review was awful. Like, my VO is just awful. But then you you look at something like, I don't know, like, some video review I did recently. Like, uh, the Walking Dead stuff that you and I did. Yeah. Or my oh, Far yeah, Cry yeah. 4 review or whatever. Like, and that's way better. And I, like... 
I feel like those are good and I feel like I've learned a lot and you can definitely see how much I've learned and how, how much better I got at what I did. So I feel like no matter what job you're in, the, the pressure of I have to do this and if I don't do this, I will get fucking fired. Sure. I got to get better. I got to yeah, figure yeah. it out. And you talk to people around you and you talk to like your video producers and they typically have good advice about like, hey, you're really shitty at doing this thing. Don't do that. Instead, try this. And yeah. You try that and you go, oh, that works way better. And you just keep improving. That's what's fascinating about you is like, I, I think to it now, I'm just like, if I just wanted to stop right now and go be a baker, you know what I mean? Now, granted, like sure. your job isn't as dra- dramatic as a shift, but I mean to hang up the, you're talking about like how yeah. good you are at the walking dead videos when we did the walking dead, how good you're doing right now on a podcast. Right. Yeah. And I remember how bad I was at my first podcast. Totally. Right. Like to kind of put that skill set aside in a way to go make this game. Yeah. And it's, it's a very different skill set, but there, there's also like parallels. There's stuff that I learned that, it's like stuff you don't really talk about because it's just like behind the scenes stuff. Like, oh, I learned how to be a better professional person. I learned sure. how to communicate better based on being in a professional environment in an office with a ton of people that rely on me and who I rely on. And that kind of stuff, you just sort of learn like, oh, I'm really good at spreadsheets. I'm really good at organizing <laughs> shit. I'm really you good do at IGN learn really quick if you're good at Excel or not. Yeah. <laughs> and then they make you do it for a long time. Uh, but I ended up like enjoying that stuff. And I, I That's enjoyed great. like the the sort of like production of IGN and I yeah. enjoyed like overseeing an event being like, okay, we're going to Tokyo this year and I have five people coming with me and we're all going to go do exactly this and coming back and being like, all right, great job. Everyone did great. We had a really good show and we had a plan. We executed on yeah, it. And like we yeah. made money because we went to TGS. Like that feels really good to know that you were valuable to the company. Sure. Yeah. The, the work you're doing matters. Yeah. All right. You want to answer some IGN questions before we jump to Let's topics? do it. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be part of the show, go to kindoffunny.com slash forums. Uh, Tim usually saves all the questions at the end, but I'm filtering them in because I believe in conversational podcasts. Me too. Whereas Tim believes in gulags where we all sit here and just talk about whatever he wants to talk, whatever NX rumor. Tim's not here. (laughs) Hate him. This one comes from Jake James Lugo. He says, here's a question for Mitch. What's the hardest thing you had to do while writing about games for IGN? Anything that pushed you to the limit and forced you to change up your approach to something? Was it something you wish you could have approached differently now than you did back then? Thanks a ton. Good luck on everything. I owe you a high five. Stay epic, Mitchie. High five. Jake James loves you. Love you too. Uh, man, I can't think of like a definitive like, oh, that was the hardest thing for sure. Like this stands out as the hard. There were just like really hard days where your staying late and you're in the office of people and you're like okay well we have this event that doesn't start till seven we have to work till five anyway we can't really go out at six to get food yeah uh because we don't have time and you do like like long nights at the office or at an event doing like live shows all day and to be on video is like i'd like you watch someone like greg on video and greg is very natural he's very good at what he does takes compliments really well he's very humble uh but then like Colin bursts through the wall any <laughs> second right now to yeah. call it bullshit and everything. <laughs> uh, but then like you see these people do this stuff all day and then you you stop doing that. You stop working and you're like, all right, let's just sit down and get dinner. And like you meet a different person than the person mm-hmm. you see on video. Like people on video are a little bit different than they are in real life. Sure. We always talk about it's amplified a bit, right? Yeah. It's like an exaggerated version of yourself because yeah. you're trying to like you're entertaining people and you're doing Keep a fun it going. thing. Let's and, talk. Let's not be loose. Let's not mumble. Yeah. Like ourselves. we're here to have a good time. Like we're doing the show cause we're having fun. Yeah. Whereas at dinner it's like, well, we're just hanging out. Let's just be like more casual and yeah. not really worry about anything. Take a breath in between our statements and sentences and yeah. everything else. So, and the, re- the reason I bring up all this is like, you're on all day, all fucking day. You're on video and you're just like, Hey, what, what's up? And you're just, you're fast and you're excited and you're high energy. And it, that like, that is fucking exhausting. That sure. is so much more exhausting than you would ever imagine. Being on video is hard. And I look at somebody like Damon or Naomi at IGN. It's like, you do this all day. 
and you have to be entertaining for people all day like because people expect a certain version of you and not to say it's a fake version it's just like Amplified. they're used to seeing that person and the minute damon goes on to a, a live show and is like hey we're back and uh microsoft's press conference like that's it you're done that's over that's not interesting it's not worth watching you're doing a bad job and you can't do that so you work an event like e3 and you do that all day and then you write previews all night after going to an like an open bar event you know you shouldn't be going to the open bar but you do because you had a really long day you're finally done for now but then you you play all these games like shit i didn't expect to have to write a gears of war preview tonight i didn't Mm. have i didn't think that it'd be worth writing about forza but they had news so you stay up till midnight writing news. Yeah. And then everyone wants to go out because it's, hey, it's E3. And you're like, I'm never going to see this person again. <laughs> yep. If I don't talk to this person right now who's in town from Japan that yeah. I haven't seen in five years, I won't see them. And anymore. obviously this is all a very big first world problem. It is like we are so 100%. fucking lucky to have had jobs that allowed us to go to E3 and see these people and talk to these people and go to these open bars and play these games. But it is draining. Sure. And I love E3, but it's like at a certain point by Friday, I'm just like, I need to just lie down. Yeah. I need to not do this. And like, I'd never expected coming into this job for it to be as like mentally and physically taxing as it is. And to then have to go into work on Monday and follow up on all of the stuff that we already covered and do more. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's very demanding of your time and energy and it's not like, it's a bad thing, but that is just like a hard thing to deal with. I mean, especially for you and news, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. they, like we dealt with that. Obviously as the PlayStation guys and the news teams and things start well, changing, but, but it was it, the like, thing like you never go to, it's never over. No, like you came to me one night with like, we were at a company retreat yeah. and you came to me like, Hey, I got a text about like a massive news story that's breaking. We, yeah, need yeah, to, yeah. we need to do this. The worst was always going to bed and then you check Twitter. Like, uh, you know, I checked Twitter and it was some PlayStation, whatever at the time. And it was like, all right, back out of bed, yeah, turn like on the computer, story figure this out. at three in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Like, son of a bitch. Like, I know Why did I check around. my email? That was always the thing. Why did I even see this? Why did I have to see this? Pro tip, never have your work email on your phone if you can avoid it. I'll always have it. I remember thinking that was going to be the coolest thing. when I Because I'm, you know, I'm old enough to remember life before the iPhone. And I remember when I was sell, I was going to sell my car and go the next day and buy an iPhone. And I was like, I'm going to be able to check email on my phone. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. And it was. It still is. It is. But it is the thing of like, now... You know, I don't know. Once we started all this and I like I was talking about it at IGN, right? Like it was always I was th- thought of myself as a goalie, right? And all these shots are coming out at, on net and I'm knocking them all down and yeah. I'm going out of my way. And like once in a while, someone will get past me. And it's like, oh, that sucks. And then we started this. It's just like just standing to the side of the goal and they're just getting scored on. Yeah. I'm like, I can't I literally can't stop these. <laughs> like, I, no. At some point, like I hadn't really done a thorough email go through uh in like a week, because I was at the Final Fantasy thing to Rooster Teeth to Bachelor Party to Rooster Teeth to home to do that this stuff. Horrible to me. Like you guys do such a good job of what you do, but like that, like world tour is just like cannot. I cannot imagine doing sure. that. And it, because that, none of that is even like the real work. That's just getting to the work. Well, our work changed. You know what I mean? That's the big thing. Is like I go to when you know I went to Rooster Teeth on Friday and filmed some free play stuff that we're not talking about yet. Or I guess Thursday I did it. Scoops. And it's like, you know, that was, I did it and I was done. And I also just got to be talent, which is always like, oh, yeah. so nice. You because like, and be, when and we're here and it's like, I'm producing the show and yeah. tonight I will edit the show yeah. and now I'm hosting the show. Like you're taking notes throughout. Exactly. There's a lot of different moving parts to this. Totally. Whereas there when it's like, all right, do this, do that. All right, you're done. All right, Ten cool. Other people take care of that Exactly. You look you. around and somebody else does everything else. <laughs> like, ah, oh, fuck, that's great. But yeah, like, you know, it's funny because I thought I, you know, how I had no idea what we were getting into when we did this. Yeah, so I was like, like, we're going to travel less. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, sure. So we do fun stuff and like at IGN it was fun and we did a lot of really great work and I like I love it. I love doing what we did and like it was weird this week to not go in. 
Oh, sure. And like watch other people at IGN text me about stuff like, hey, let's go get coffee because I'm on a giant text thread with IGN people. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't go today. <laughs> it's weird. And like, I want to catch up and find out what everyone's doing and find out like how I can help them. And it's just, it's a strange feeling to come into this job going like, oh man, I'm going to just write about video games all day and play. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not. You're going to do it like a, a real job and it's going to be stressful like a real job. But it's also going to be really, really great like a great job should be. Brotherhood 93 piggybacks off. James. Jake James. Jake James Luca. Luca. Says, uh, what one piece of content are you most proud of for your time at IGN? Uh, I wrote a 12,000 word, inspired by Colin Moriarty, I wrote a 12,000 word long form feature about Ubisoft Montreal. Like it's life's work uh, called House of Dreams, the Ubisoft Montreal story. Gotcha. And it's like starting in 1997 when the company started and the Giannis Malat, who's the CEO of He's CEO of UB Montreal, and I think he runs Ubisoft Toronto now as well. He was like, yeah, we're starting the studio. And we're going to do these like license games to cut our teeth. And like we hired 30 people and 15 of them didn't know how to make a video game. <laughs> we just figured it out. <laughs> and then we made Prince of Persia, the sounds of fucking time, like the greatest platformer action game of all time. Yeah. Is like, the, oh, they didn't really know what they were doing. They just made one of the best things ever. They stumbled into it. Yeah. And it's it's like I talked to a ton of people who worked there. Some people talked to me like, about the games they made other people talked to me like anonymously because they had information that like maybe they shouldn't have been talking about just for like insights into how the studio worked and why it is the way it is and it's this gigantic feature that i love writing i worked on it for literally a year see that's the best stuff like when you get to actually sit down and get embedded with stuff yeah stories and you 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 talk to people like okay you worked on prince of Persia. let's talk about that for a bit okay that you worked on splinter cell like 10 years later let's talk about that okay you mentioned something about this other game eight years ago you worked on I'm going to see if I can find that project lead to talk about how that came to be. And it's just like piecing this gigantic puzzle together is so satisfying. Excellent. Everyone go read that. Give IDGN the click. They don't give Mitch any more money. But. That's true. <clears throat> Rockin' Canadian, but R-A-W-K-I-N-G, which I like. Rockin' Canadian says, hello, Mitch and Greg. Hello, Rockin' Canadian. Mitch, what is your favorite Greg story while at IGN? There's the ego for you. Ooh. My favorite Greg story. You, you, you can admit you didn't like me when we worked together. That's fine. I just didn't know you. Like you were doing your own thing. Like you just didn't have time to stop and be like, oh, it's the new guy. Let's be best buds. Sure. Like you were friendly, but it was like you just had other shit to worry about. Yeah, that was a weird thing. I remember because like when I was talking about it, you know, for me starting at IGN when I started at IGN, young and crazy and stuff like that. And then you figure I got there and Damon had been there six months. I got there. Then in one fell swoop, we got, uh, Clements Gettys and or get Gettys. It's so hard because now I'm trained to go the opposite ways. When we hired Tim, <laughs> yeah. I would call, everybody called him Gettys, and he's like, "It's Gettys, you're killing me." Uh, Ryan Gettys, uh, Ryan uh, Clements, and Colin Moriarty. Yeah. And so th- when all those people came in, it was like poof, family. This is what we are. You know what I mean? When you roll, and th- when you came in, I got to see you do that with uh, uh, Goldfarb, and to an extent, sure. when Marty, you know, got over his one upness, come over and be that Marty. But yeah. Um, if you don't have one, it's fine. No, it's, it's, it's like really hard to find a specific Because now we're moment. close friends. Now we talk, we go places, we do things. Yeah, it's true. And I just don't have like a ton of specific memories about like, remember that one time Greg did this? And I probably should. No, you shouldn't. Um, you had a life to live. You were doing your own stuff. That's fine. I, I remember like one of the first moments where I was like, oh, Greg is really fucking good at what he does. Just continue stroking your ego a little bit. Uh, it was like, the, I think it was the first time I ever sat down to be like, oh, I have, I have time today. You won an award. I'm playing both my awards, actually. Oh, look at that. That one's it. That wooden one's actually really cool. Yeah. I like the Yoshi. The Yoshi isn't usually, it looks like getting taken from behind by the award. That's I think fine. That's what Kevin set it up to look like today. You know, whatever makes Yoshi happy. Yeah, no, I'm not knocking it. 
That's fine. Uh, I remember the first time I sat down to watch Up at Noon. Because I had missed like a bunch of episodes. Thank God. I, you would not have this in person. Yeah. This well, I just didn't have time, right? Like it was always like, hey, well, we need people to come watch Up at Noon. Who's available? It's yeah. like, I have 10 million things to do. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. not. But there was one day I was like, fuck everything. I'm going to watch Up at Noon. I want to see this. And it was like sitting with a live audience in our studio and watching the way you interviewed people in the way it was like, it was so natural. And it was like, not the kind of interview I'm used to, which mm-hmm. is like, how do uh, you made a sequel? How did you make it better? Cool. <laughs> now with the sequel you and it's like unrelated questions that are like sort of topic based and it was really hard for me for a long time to like listen to an interview subject while not freaking the fuck out about what i was going to say next yeah so i was always like notebook 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 they stop talking ask ask the next yep, question yep exactly active listening is so difficult it's so hard but like watching you went up at noon where you just went in you sat down and i was like you got a notebook what's yeah. going on you, you never had a notebook yeah and you were always able to just be like okay cool you said something interesting let's follow up on that okay rewind to something i was talking about before like you just had a fucking understanding of who this person was and what they were saying yeah and i was like that's fucking awesome i want to do that and i started just not bringing my notebook to places nice and I was like, I'm going to just listen. And if I run out of questions, I'll say like, all right, well, I'm, I'm good. Anything else do we, yeah, it's always about? just, what, is there anything we didn't touch on? Then yeah, they yeah, fill anything the gap. I didn't touch on anything yeah, yeah. that you're really excited about that I didn't ask you about. Yeah. No. All right, we're done. Yeah. And that just made for way better interviews. It made me, uh, and weirdly it was like, that's how I learned to like make contacts because people stopped seeing me as the press guy interviewing me and more like, Oh, there's a person who like gives a shit about what I have to say. Yeah. And that was how I was able to like maintain a conversation after an interview without just going, okay, thank you for your time and leaving. Right. I got to go by. Yeah. And it's like moments like that where you sit down and it's like, oh, Greg's really good at what he does. And like all these people are having an amazing time, like laughing out loud because the show is funny and it was really good. Um, so that like, I can't even remember like what episode it was, but I remember sitting in the studio and having that thought going, oh, this is like going to change how I do this job forever. Okay, cool. See, that's the one thing I don't like about this show is that it. In, in every episode no no not the notes not the notes part because uh, the notes are just the questions from the listeners true but like you were talking about things in the first part of who is Mitch Dyer that I want to talk about but I know they're in the their bucket of the second topic yeah, so it's like sure. I'm like oh I'd love to follow up on that right now and yeah. keep it conversational that way sure. but Tim fucked me gotta I have some Tim, kind of structure beg, I begged him put the show up as one big topic and he's like no breakouts breakouts. <laughs> breakouts at least we're not like as breakout as, as we used to be I remember during Beyond the old days, like boxing things oh, up. Yeah, I'm right time. Are we gonna break this one out? Maybe I'll make. Not it that out. I'm knocking that because um, no, totally I can't works, tell you the number of people who show up on our PS. I love you. And like, when's the fucking topic start? This is <laughs> you guys talking about tacos in the beginning. Uh, final question before we jump to number two. Pepe Low, fourteen. Hi guys. Hey. Two questions for the two of you. Okay. How did you handle the business decisions? Parentheses. Layoffs. Show cancellations or changes. Promotions that affected you and your time at IGN. The second is kind of personal. Oh, that's where that was. I'm saving that because that was already going to be topic number three. Oh, but okay. now it's got oh a yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, good. How did how did how did uh, business decisions at IGN affect us? Uh, man, layoffs fucking suck. They suck. They suck. It dick. sucks. Yeah. Uh, I had there were layoffs at IGN one month after I started, and. I can't remember. And that was like around the time where Peter Eichemans, who was like amazing, oh, yeah. Peter like had the opportunity to join IGN because there were so many layoffs and he was like, no, I'm going to go do something else. And now he's making games at congregate and he's amazing. But it was, we lost a bunch of people at once and it was weird to be like, I've only been here a month, but man, I like, I'm going to miss the fuck out of Jack yep. and I'm going to miss all of these people that like, I didn't really know but it sucks to see them upset that they just lost their job and yeah. they don't know what they're going to do. And it's like real life stress in the moment. And you're like, well, this is hard. And that's, it's like not a fun thing to deal with. Like, and there's no real thing you do to be like, how do you deal with it? No, no, no. You just do. You, power you just try not to cry a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I only failed that once. 
when we laid off Clements, could not stop crying. Oh my God. It was over. Oh and that God. was the thing for me. Like how did the business decisions affect us? I can't speak for you, for me and for what, and for layoffs and some of the stuff we're talking about here specifically, it was this weird battle of like, I understand the business and yep. I understand what IGN's business totally. model is. And I understand why they need to let these people go. And I understand why they're making these. Tr- there's only, I always talk about it and I won't talk about it on air. Obviously there's only one person who ever got laid off where I was like, why? Why that person? Yes. That doesn't make any sense. We need him. Yes. Uh, and the rest were like, this sucks. These are my, and this is where it gets into that business. I get it. But then there's the friendship yeah, family yeah, level yeah. where you're like, that is a family member. Yep. We can't do that. And I remember yep. at one point, God damn. And I forget how many times we were there, but when like we're addressing the IGN mission statement or whatever, you know what I mean? The values. And we wanted to yeah. put family on there. And, so, and like the business, the business guy in the room had to be like, I understand and that's a lovely sentiment. <laughs> it's not a family. You yeah. know what I mean? And it can't be. Otherwise, this sure. doesn't work. And what do you do when something bad happens? And you have a fight or something? Totally. Yeah, it's it's hard because you at a place like that where it, it is very like it's so lame because everyone is always like, you know, we're a family. It fucking is. It just is. Yeah. Like I talk to everybody I know who has ever left IGN still on a regular basis. Yeah. And not like about IGN just because it's like, oh, you were here and I was here and now we're best friends forever. That exists. We always come in at such a formative time. You know what I mean? It's a, yeah. it's a young man, woman's game and you pop in totally. and you start making those friendships and relying on each other and da, 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 da. And then when somebody matures out of that role and leaves the yeah, nest I mean, again, Le- Leah Jackson was only at IGN for a, maybe a year. I think she was just about a year before she went to riot games and like Leah moved away and that was it. But I yeah. still talk to Leah like all I was gonna the time. Say, I think I talked to her all more now. Totally. Um, and I totally forget what, like, what was the question? <laughs> how, how, do you, how do these do decisions affect us? How do you deal with it? I mean, it sucks. Like if, if a show gets canceled, it gets canceled and you just have to accept it. Like you can, you can get mad about it and you can go get drinks and complain about it with sure. your coworkers. But it's like, we always understand why stuff like this happens. And that's the thing. It's, you know, it's back it to the business versus family thing where yeah. it's like, we're getting rid of this because it's not bringing in views or it's not getting yeah, sold. And, and I this think you're like, okay, like, like, that sucks, but that's the realistic part. That stuff like that, learning about the values of what is important to the business of IGN was something that I just went into it with literally no knowledge of. I had no expectations that I would ever need to know that. And I probably could have gotten away with, you know, just kind of doing my job. But when I started thinking about like, okay, is this good for the business? Is this good for the readers? Is this good for us? Like you start thinking about how you do your job differently and better, honestly, like the business of what you do is never bad. It's sometimes it's like sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's beneficial. It's just the nature of what you do. Sometimes things have to get done a certain way. They don't align with what you want to do creatively, man. And that's <laughs> you just you deal with it and you move on. Agreed. Mitch. Yes, sir. It's topic number two. Kevin's on here. I gotta write down my own notes. I hate that. That's you fine. I mean, he's making me work for a living. Kevin. I want, and this is going to, this is going to double back. Like I was saying in the last topic to like stuff you said in that topic and all these different yeah. things. What is the state of video games journalism. You said something very interesting in the last topic. Okay. That that was the first time you really felt like a journalist, like you yeah. were doing something there. Yeah. And then you, but you worked news and you made a reference to this game comes on in this day. This is where are yep. we right now? Do you think are we, is, is there games journalism happening? What does it all yes. look like? Uh, there will always be a place for the, the news, right? Like the, the act of a publisher making something and wanting the world to know about it, whether it's on their own sites or through the press will exist for a long time. Yeah. They will always need to get that information to communicate that information to the player. You will always want people to know your game is coming out, that you have a cool actor associated with it, that you've got cool plans that you're going to have demo at PAX, whatever that stuff will always be there. It's not the most fun stuff in the world to write, but it's necessary and people are excited about it. So you do it. 
it's also like a gateway to bigger things where it's like, oh, we know this thing about this game. Now we can write an opinion piece or a feature or follow up interview, whatever. Like that is a gateway to do more with something. Sure. Um, but there's also like actual amazing, awesome journalism in the industry right now. And I think Kotaku is doing the absolute best of it in the entire industry. Jason Schreier and Patrick, Patrick. Klepik are amazing. Yeah, they're doing a great job. Those guys do such different work than anybody else. Like those guys were constantly an inspiration for me. And anytime I got a good story, I was always just like, oh, like, is it as good as anything they've ever done? <laughs> and the answer is usually no. Like, no matter how good I did, it's still like, man, like, Klepik is so, like, that dude is on another level, and I don't know how he does it. Yeah. But he does it because he's been doing this for 15 years. And it's what you were talking about in the last one, right? About the interviewing, where Patrick's yes. a person. You know what yes. I mean? Like, you know he cares about it. You, I, you, I could tell him anything off the record. Not, not that I'm saying my of secrets course. are on that level, but I could tell him anything, and I trust him, just like any other developer publisher would. Yeah, and that's like the best kind of journalist is somebody who isn't always in it for the story. Mm -hmm. Maybe like they interview somebody and they get off the record information. They hold that and they go like, Oh, maybe I can use that later, but that's not why they're there. They are, you know, doing their job and they're learning stuff and they're just kind of like soaking it in. And a really good journalist will soak stuff in and, you know, when the time is appropriate, be able to tell a story that matters. And you're not going to just like, somebody tells you something off the record, you're going to blow it open now and ruin a relationship and right. maybe a contact and your reputation for one good story. And that's, the, and that's, you know, when you meet people, when I meet, when I meet people, even to this day for the first time and they start getting gun shy about it, I'm like, now it's easy. Cause it's like, let me run you through all the things I knew about for months at, at yeah. a time and never, ever said anything. Why would I blow it up for this? Yeah. And I think a lot of, it's different across different websites, right? Like you see certain sites running things that I would, at IGN never qualify as news like Phil Spencer tweeting his thoughts on something is not always news yeah Phil Spencer congratulating PlayStation is not news like <laughs> there are certain things that just don't matter sure and Kotaku has always been really really good at like oh they announced uh, DLC release date we don't care like we're gonna pass on that because if it's not original or interesting or beneficial to somebody playing games or reading Kotaku who cares don't waste your time spend that time doing better work and that's mm -hmm. why they do better work than a lot of other places online do you worry about their viability and then also i guess just more people doing this right because we're talking about it and i think it is the list gets pretty short we're not, you're not talking about yes. jason we're gonna talk patrick and then we're gonna start talking about and it's like there's people out there doing it but the journalism is there in yep. such a fashion where it is like what you're talking about like all right cool this uh, characters in the game this is the dlc package this is the release date whatever so I'll put up that story and then I'll think about features about it. I'll think about interviews, but most people are just like, here it is. You know yep. what I mean? And all these fan sites, they're just putting up the totally. same. And it's just like, echo. and I, I don't know, like that's, that's how I got my start. It was just like, Oh, news happened. I'm going to write about it. Sure. And hopefully some people read it and some people notice it, but it's not until you start doing original work, whether that's like an opinion piece or a feature or whatever, something critical, something different that you and your website's voice starts to stand out as distinct. Yeah. And the best websites are the ones that, do that obviously it's yeah. like if you have a perspective that is different than the publishers now you have an interesting thought and you can say something crazy like colin might or you might say something super super intelligent or astute that like nobody else is thinking about you might compare somebody's business strategy to something else that does or doesn't work and you can weigh all these things against each other to form an opinion and share a view with an audience that is interested in learning more because they care about whatever you're talking about right like somebody who's interested in uncharted four is going to want to know certain things about it. And sometimes they don't know what they want. They know they want to know the release date. They know they want to see some gameplay footage, but then there might be stories about the making of that game that are super interesting and that they didn't know they need, wanted to know. Sure. 
So if you can kind of predict what people will be interested in, which is sort of the foundation of your business, then you can create something that people are going to gravitate toward and orbit around because it's it's a reliable, consistent, qualitative thing that is about things I care about. And that is like the definition of what a good games media, whether it's journalism or whatever, like sure. that is what good games coverage is. Do you worry though that, I mean, is that going to burn out in terms of like here we're going to do real journalism, we're going to do real stories. Is that going to burn out at the big dot coms? Because my concern when I look at the big dot coms, and I'm including everybody who's a big dot com. You mean like you IGN or like yeah, I mean like weekly. IGN. No, I'm talking about okay, video okay. games, video games, GameSpot, IGN. You yeah. go there, and it is such a shotgun approach, and it is such big headlines that it does become that. I I'm I'm like all I always talk about is how we work. Like right, and I always talk about it being the same uh, boring, tired out, old fucking played out analogy, right? That I talk about with video game uh, publishers, right, and developers, where it was like we have the AAA developers, we have the indie developers, and in the middle was these these mid tier guys who have yeah. fallen away. And I see that happening now, where it's like you have the big dot coms and you have the little guys like us on YouTube, and then the middle tier people. You're and then you see like dis- uh, Destructoid like losing a lot of people, and you see Joystick shutting down. Yep, exactly. Like, Those sites are sucks. starting to fall away. So then, for me, my concern is somebody who like Colin likes the written word, likes long form content, likes all these different things. Even though I, I, you know, I'm I'm fucking a hypocrite right there because like I guess I read Kotaku stuff that counts. I'm talking about when's the last time I sat down and read like a really long form, but then again, when's the last time somebody wrote something really long form and great. But Good what point. I'm saying is, you know, the dot coms, it is, here's the top 10 list and here's this tweet from uh, David Ayers about the suicide squad. And here's the, and like, it's all these little things to the point that I, the way I always think of how we work in it is, oh man, IGN's review of Batman V Superman went up or IGN has new clip of Batman V Superman. I, I consume this news, this breakout. What did Greg think of it? And you go to your expert commentary, your expert yeah, yeah. person, you know, your person you connect that. And with. I think there will always be a place for that. There will always be a place for critical thinking and expert analysis. Yeah. And that'll be the thing that differentiates any dot com from its journalism kind of output. Like, I think to some degree, there will always be people willing to rewrite press releases. And whether or not that's sustainable is to be TBD. But as long as there are interesting voices surrounding things I care about, I'm always going to want to see that. I'm always going to want to read what Anthony Bresnikin has to say about Star Wars because he's somebody I really connect with because he, yeah. he's at Entertainment Weekly and he like it's a big website with like some serious fucking legitimacy and he's passionate and he gets it and he asks really good questions and like I'm super into that. Anytime I see a Star Wars story on EW, I know it's going to be good. But and it's also not just going to be like today J.J. Abrams said the thing. Sure. That's not interesting. But when he starts digging into it and speculating about what any of it means, that's when I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that. That's a really cool theory. This is a really cool question. He got this really great answer. Do you see it being, though, that like is, we were talking about this at lunch, right? The, and I, this is what I was talking about. Uh, and maybe you don't share the opinion, but I was talking about the fact of like why I got so popular at IGN and why I was able to keep all that going. Right. Is that for pretty much eight years, I was able to focus on one beat. You know, I mean, I established myself as the PlayStation guy and that, like I always talk about it like I was, you know, I'm sure in the comments of this very video, people are like, oh, I was fucking PlayStation fanboy. Right. <laughs> but it's like, I'm not a fanboy. I just know that inside and out because that's my coverage yeah, in the same way. The Giants reporter isn't you're Giants an fanboy. anomaly, though. Like you're you're a person who, for lack of a better term, became a celebrity out of growing out of this massive website. Sure. And it's like a team, right? Like as a, growing up, I loved the Phoenix Coyotes when I watched hockey. And when Keith Kachuk left the Phoenix Coyotes, I was devastated. Big day for Don't everybody. worry about it. When, <laughs> whatever, bad analogy. I don't give no, a shit. No, it's good. No, they understand that. I, like I, my favorite player left my favorite team, and I was like, holy shit, who do I follow? And you just end up following both. It's like, well, if I like this person, I'm going to continue following them. 
but I'm also like I'm gonna read EW if Anthony Bresican leaves. Oh no, and Mike, I'm sorry, my this what I was driving with that point wasn't that personalities leaving the site collapsed the site totally. Okay, but, my my thing is I'm saying is I think the day of an eight year editor are gone to where are, yeah, are you okay. building it? Are you at IGN right now? Currently building or in GameSpot and everybody else. This is sure. sizing them up. Yeah. Uh, are you building it so that you understand that when X event happens, I need to go do that? And like with new people, like obviously if like fucking Nintendo shit happens, what does Pear think? What does Fran think? What does Brian think? I, so I think that's kind of like the notion and the nature of Twitter and YouTube has sort of created this weird amalgam of like, I don't care who I hear from. I just want to search Uncharted 4 stuff on YouTube mm-hmm. and maybe I get beyond. Maybe I get kind of funny. Maybe I get a random YouTuber. Maybe I get some random guy responding to a trailer. Sure. The, the black hole of like just infinite amounts of people talking about stuff it makes it harder to specialize and I don't like I still I don't know what the future of media is with that regard because you try to do things to differentiate from the rest of them but it's really hard because there's just so many other people doing so much of the same stuff that to say something different which is like we said super important you have to say stuff that's different to prove people that you're interesting to make them want to stay with your site or with you or whatever but I don't I don't know if people care about the individual so much as they care about just any kind of insight from anyone. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Like I, the way I consume media is so much different than even the way like you watching this consume media. Like I don't have my kind of funny. I don't have a show that I go sure. to. Like I have a couple of podcasts. Like I listen to a star Wars podcast that I really like. And I love listening to the idle thumbs guys, but I'm not there every week. Right. I'm not, hunting down to like a thing I'm subscribed to on YouTube. Like people, especially people who are younger than me consume content. I hate that word. So goddamn much content in a very, you gotta get on board with it. I know. And it's the first time somebody came up to me like three years ago to show and was like, I love your content. I was like, Wow. <laughs> wow! Like I thought, only we. I've only that nerds was like me, <laughs> me and nerds like me at VidCon talk that way. You're as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like the the audience, even the IGN audience, is evolving in a way that. I don't understand. And that's, that's why it's such, cause I like it's, this whole thing is so fascinating and we're cut from the same cloth is that we came in thinking we were going to do one job and it's, I'm a writer. I'm going to go write I'm, about video. I got hired. I, yeah, exactly. Not. And I, and I got to live that, you know, dream for a, a long time, but a little yeah. time and see it change where I, like I'll never, though, like my early days at IGN when like you got there, those first, I mean years, but I'm thinking like the first months when it's like, all right, cool. You're going to review this PSP game. Great. And I just sat at my desk and, and played, played this it. PSP game for five hours and it was like no one interrupted me I didn't have to go on camera I didn't have a podcast either. you know what I mean there weren't the giant the things you're buried under now and so like to see it all change and evolve gets me to this point where I'm like I'm concerned because uh, back to the whoever the jerk is in the comments right there's a jerk in the comments like, oh these two fuck boys talking about games journalism games journalism is dead and is, or never even existed and da, 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 da. I'm like you're not 100% wrong. You know, I'll never forget coming here with my, I have a green magazine journalism. Yeah. Hey, Roper, I wrote my first review. All right, cool. Post it. Uh, are, are you going to read it? Is there a copy <laughs> editor? No, we don't do that. And I was like, <laughs> you know I mean, like the way, not ethics in the terms of like horrible things, but in like the way, like I remember I talked about the Sierra trip they sent me on like my first two months there where I was like, all right, we're going to send you to Palm Springs at this resort. It's a three day party. You're seeing two games. And I went through this three day thing and I, I did like a total of 30 minutes of work of playing these two games. And to me now, like 
that sounds like such a massive fucking waste of time. A hundred percent. And like, that's how different it is now. That shit does not happen. Totally. And it, like the idea that like going on a free vacation for work, like that's an amazing no. idea. Yeah, but yeah. I'm like, give me the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. don't even fly. Send me a disc. I, forget, like, I don't want to go it anywhere. It just happened recently. I won't name names, but a company hit me up. I'm like, hey, do you want to go? I think it was London. Do you want to go to London to play this game? And I'm like, fuck no. Hell no. no I don't want to do that. And I, I desperately want to get to London, but I don't totally. want to burn a week going to London to play yeah, one game. Yeah, yeah. And that's in that. So my concern this is all mixed in the same pot and just one mix up stuff about 30 different things. I know, I know, but like, where does all this go? I, I still, I always go back to the fact that we are such a young industry and I'm talking about games in general. You know what I mean? That if you were to go back and look at movie criticism and movie journalism, entertainment journalism, right? I'm sure if the first, in the first 30 years of that, people are getting, they're getting scoffing at that as well. Sure. And all these different things, but it's had such a lineage to it. It gets to the point now that you understand that there's going to be a Roger Ebert style in-depth review. Yeah. Here's what it means you can trust me. And then there is going to be the regurgitated press release that yep. guess what? Channing Tatum has signed this thing to do this for picture. Fine. Like, I still, as somebody who just cares about the industry and the people in it and the news and the games and whatever, like I want to keep up on that as much as I can. Maybe I'll read games media less and maybe I'll watch YouTube less because I'm preoccupied with doing different things. Sure. But I'm still really interested in like Avengers rumors and I still really want to see the first image for first trailer from this movie. And I still want to see the trailer for whatever game. Like right. I'm still, that stuff is still interesting to me. I just, the way I consume it is sort of like, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to let it come to me. And if it's Greg's video that hits me first, I'm going to watch it. Of course, that. of course, of course. And My that's, it's such is, a weird way to consume news. Yeah, and that's the thing of like, I, I worry about the Jasons and the Patricks and the stuff that they're doing at Kotaku. Where does that live in this new world? Because if it becomes what, what the thing I'm talking about, where it's you have your IGNs who are over here and and GameSpot again, I'm not none of this is insulting anybody. I hope insulting to anybody, but they're over there doing top ten list, big Batman v Superman rumor. Here's a tweet, whatever. Which doesn't mean like to clarify what you said about weird to clarify your point about like <laughs> <Come> not <in>. <laughs> not talking badly about anybody. It's just that that's it's different businesses. Yeah, different companies require or mandate or get excited about different things, and that's it. My scare. So, anyways, so that's happening. And let's say you know all this Gawker stuff pans out and Kotaku fades away or whatever. Then what? Who is doing that? Where does that go? Does it yeah. move away a hundred percent from being written? Because I've seen Patrick toying around and I like him. He's doing a lot his, of cool videos, videos, and I'm totally. like, he's taking news stories and making them in videos. I'm like, this is very very smart. And I love that. It's smart. Nobody else is doing that. Nobody yeah, else is doing documentary style news videos. And, he, and it's Patrick's way ahead of the game. Like he's, Patrick, we're all gonna work for stuff. Patrick one day. Is the problem. And we're gonna play his fucking Mario Maker. Exactly. Because like, and you go to this kid's YouTube channel, and you're like, motherfucker, you're doing all this awesome news content, and then all these awesome let's plays and fucking. God, I hate you. Or would you like to come work for Kind of Funny? Maybe one day we won't work in the spare bedroom. Um, but that's where does all that live and how does it go? And like, in the same way, I'm talking about the fact that, you know, entertainment journalism, I'm sure, I think, probably started in a similar fashion to what we're doing here and yeah. how these growing pains as well. Are we growing or evolving in an unsustainable way? Where, because my, here's my nightmare scenario, and this is for. Uh, all the big dot coms. Was that Kevin or was that Colin? I missed him. It's uh, Colin. Okay. If you see Ke Kevin, let him know the light light did weird things. Uh, it, where my concern with the big dot coms is that they keep what you're saying. What are predicting what our audience wants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right now our audience wants this buzz style feed content, these funny gif videos, these funny yeah. memes, these tweets. Well, da, that's da, the da, thing da, is da, media da. has changed. Like the expectations of what people want has changed so much. Like when I started at IGN, the wiki stuff was just becoming like oh, man. as massive as it was. Yeah. And I was like, why are you wasting our time on fucking guides? People already do guides. No, guides at IGN are massive. They're yeah, like 50% of the business. Yeah. That's hugely important. And I never would. Like somebody was way ahead of the game, probably Mark Ryan, who was like, we need to be on top of this. Probably. And there are people way smarter than me that will continue to do that in media. 
because and like I was dumb. I was like, cool, I'll just write this thing. And I'll yeah. do a video when someone tells me to, and I'll think about what I would like to do. But there are people who are like, oh, this is the future of media, and it's people like Patrick who are way ahead of the curve. And see that, and my fear for the dot coms is that they're marching in the wrong direction, and it's going to snap back. Where it's going to be, okay, I, there's a better aggregator site, there's a better BuzzFeed, there's a better videogame.com right. or whatever. And it snaps back and it's like, the dot-coms, the GameSpots, the IGNs who did, their foundation was built on, when I was there, IGN, we review everything. Yes. Dunham was like, we're reviewing every fucking game and we all wanted to kill ourselves. Yep. But it definitely worked where it's like, the IGN was the place for video game reviews. Yeah. You knew that. So when it snaps back and suddenly it's like, all right, cool. I don't want the angry Whopper video from an IGN. I don't, I am getting that from aggregator or whatever. I want to go see video game reviews. Are people going to still think to go there or is it going to be now it is this fractured. I'm going to go see my PlayStation coverage at a place like kind of funny. My Xbox coverage over there. My Nintendo stuff at game explain. It's going to weirdly be driven by, I think, you know, that like whatever the number is like, 16 to 35 year olds or whatever like whatever the major male audience is for all of this like the majority audience yeah whatever they do next is going to dictate a lot of how every other dot com youtuber whatever responds because when i started doing this youtube was not a factor yeah oh god no and you just weren't thinking about it but you adapt you're always in the media adapting to what everyone else is doing and and not even like what oh ign needs to change because GameSpot did this it's oh the audience is going here now they're talking about minecraft yeah how can we do something there like we did every six month pair meeting yeah how do we cover minecraft i'm like i don't know pair me and brian will play it we don't know what the fuck we're doing (laughs) (laughs) but it's a matter of like being nimble and improvisational yeah Yeah. the best in the media outlets that survive and thrive are the ones who are going to figure it out yeah i mean and i don't know who those are going to be like i just really have no fucking idea well what's interesting you know what i mean is like ig and jumping on snapchat and like when they when they announced it i was like fucking awesome i was was like is this a big deal and then i was like oh it's a fucking huge deal i was so down on it i was like why snapchat like snapchat is so dumb right but it's like the tailored content that team make content that team makes for snapchat is so fucking good yeah and it's very digestible and it fits the platform and it fits the kind of person who uses it stop drawing on your hand i'm not i'm just scratching all right right. uh i like getting hand scratches and hand massages i'm I'm down i'm with you thank you uh yeah it's it's just a tactic that like i never would have seen coming there are smarter people making better decisions than me and that's the thing of like well, I remember even when we were leaving, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm still, I still love IGN. I always will. And I'm gonna check IGN every day still. That's what I do every day. You know yeah. why I want And I don't check IGN ever, but it's cause I don't check anything except no. Twitter ever. Exactly. You What's, what are the you. news? The sto- who are the people, the curated list of people I follow yep. that I trust their opinions of are saying yep. this. And that's where I'll click off to go read a uh, Patrick story or, Oh, Jeff's doing a bunch of cool VR demos. Let's go see that a giant bomb or, you know what I mean? Well, you, or not you, but formerly you <laughs> put up yeah. this really intriguing story. I'd love to see it. And that's, where you see the fact of like for the dot coms, their homepage tra- traffic is so down. It was, you know, IGNs was going down yeah. I think, when we were there and they talk about it openly and like how big mobile is and how big yeah, this yeah. is and mainly how big it is to get your stuff out socially to bring people mm-hmm. in. But then it does get me scared of like how easy is it to get somebody in through the, you know, through the window? Cause I know how hard it is to get somebody to click a link and that's not a joke. I mean, you know what I mean? You put a yeah. link in this video, this description and you're looking at like an annotation in this video. It's like less than 1% are going to click that. So let, let alone to put out there and be like, we have a, 35,000 word story about whatever. And you're like, yeah, I wrote 12,000 words about a studio's 1997 origins. Exactly. Check it out. No fucking way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think things will remain like at IGN, right? Like the biggest stories are always reviews mm-hmm. and it's always entertainment stuff. Like as entertainment stuff is blowing up because people who care about games care about the Avengers. People who care about the Avengers don't necessarily care about Far Cry primal review. Sure. But both of those things do really, really well and they do way better than the opinion piece that I wrote. 
So I say that like the the most interesting content is where the people are going to thrive the most, and that's probably not true right now. But I don't know, like if somehow this all bottoms out because everyone's doing the exact same thing, it's going to be the differentiators like Patrick and Jason and the uh, giant bomb guys are doing a lot of really great stuff, yeah. especially in video, things like that. Like those are going to be the kind of premium pieces of content that you seek out when you're like oh like i want to see a cool thing about a game what did giant bomb say well that, and that's what's fascinating i think now in the more i t- you know the more well, as i continue to talk about it and i think as you see it like everybody fall it starts falling away where you're triple a or indie or whatever like not and i'm not at all cursing them but let's say the gawker stuff goes badly kataku yeah. does fold or whatever right patrick i could easily see going i'm gonna do this on my own I'm going to make a Patreon and I'm going to have this dedicated audience that supports me just like you guys support us that we can then make content that gets out to as a billboard to more people to come in to see this. And like, it also gives him the freedom to sell certain content to certain places. Like if he has a really great story and Entertainment Weekly wants it, yeah. then he can do that. Yeah. It's fascinating. These it's, video games. games media is so weird. Like it's so, I don't know, man. It's like, putting water in a bowl you just like shake it up it's like it's different the way it's changed you know what i mean just in i mean to think of like what i was hired to do a little less than a decade ago you know what i mean come in and all right i remember being the i have a ps2 and a debug ps2 at my desk and a psp and this ps3 and you know what i mean like all these little tools there that were just like i'm gonna sit there and play this and that's what it's gonna be yep and then all that shit slowly it's evolved very different. into yeah, being yeah. how crazy it is where you're playing at home and not doing anything else. Yeah, because the, the the job expectations change with the expectations of the audience. And those are constantly evolving. And you just have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Before we go to topic three, would you like more water? Yeah, I was thinking about it. I'm going to get you more water. Thanks, man. Did you take it out of the thingamajig or did you take it out of the faucet? I refilled the thingamajig. Okay, So cool. now there's thingamajig water. While I do this, you pimp your stuff and whatever you want to pimp. Just so you keep saying stuff for people to go do. And stuff. All right. Just fill All the right. air. All right. I'll fill, fill, the, fill the air with some stuff. Uh, so as the video may have already showed, I am at MitchyD on Twitter. That's kind of all I'm doing right now. I'm just tweeting some stuff. Just doing some stuff. I'm on Twitch at MitchyD. Uh, not 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 at symbol. Just my Twitch is MitchyD. Twitch.tv slash MitchyD. Uh, trying to stream more Dota two lately. That's a fun video game that a lot of people like. No, just me, just me and my friends. No, like twelve million people people play that game. People always say people like Colin Moriarty that MOBAs are stupid. MOBAs are not stupid. MOBAs are too smart for Colin Moriarty and his people. Uh, that is a brilliant genre, and actually, I think we are going to talk about it in a little bit. So we'll talk about that. Uh, been playing some Dark Souls three lately. Speaking of which, I see a copy right over there, so I'm reminded. Game is hard as hell, but it's so fucking good, and it is like way back to the like more in line with the original Dark Souls. Uh, which I, thank you. Just I'm just talking is to the kids. The you had the tiger cup. Yeah, I'm just talking to the kids about Dark Souls three and oh, how yeah. it's like. Yeah, I know. I saw that copy. Listen, is anyone going to play that? Nobody at this house plays Xbox. Oh, no. Do you not have a copy? I don't have a copy. Oh, yeah. There you go. You're the prize box winner. Yeah. No, they sent us a PS3 and an Xbox One. I was like, okay, that's funny. Right into the the library of kind of funny and right into the giveaway pile. I got it on PS4, so I've been playing it. And uh, I don't don't have one for my... For me, for me when I move. Thank you. You can do that. It's your goodbye present Uh, from us at kind of funny. I love this game already. Because it's like Dark Souls 1 was so good at having like cavernous depth in every area where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to roll through this box and accidentally found a shortcut that goes down into this totally new area with boss that like is totally optional. Dark Souls 2 had none of that. And I was oh, so nice. disappointed in it. So Dark Souls 3, I'm still like three hours in fucking love it. It's so good. Okay, cool. And I was telling Colin earlier, like I hope like Colin and I were talking about how few games we play compared yeah. to how many we used to. Yeah. Because the significance of so many games, not to diminish their quality in any way, but they just feel like unnecessary like I, I jokingly used to measure the worth of other games and the amount of time I could play Dota 2 instead. 
And now that's like a legitimate thing. Because, no, I hear you. Or I could like, okay, I could play this game that's probably pretty cool, but I'm not going to finish it. And if I don't finish it, I'll feel like it wasn't worth it. So I'll just read a book mm, or I'll just play mm. five games of Dota 2, which will guaranteed give me a 10 out of 10 experience with four other friends. And I'll have a great time. That's where it falls into like, like, you, like the division, the first game in a while, probably since DC Universe Online, where it's like, fuck, I should be playing other things, but I'm going to keep playing this. I've done Destiny mean? for a while. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's exactly where, and it's like, I have two hours to kill right now, and I would love to start Republic on PS4. Oh I'd love God, to get yeah. in to enter the Gungeon play on Republic, PS4. Play Republic, it's fucking awesome. Oh, and I know, so and that's cool. the thing is, I already know it's great, and I'm anxious to play it, but it's like, I or Quantum Break, I have two hours right also now, really cool. and I'm like, you know what? I'd rather just get into something I already know, because I don't want to do tutorial and learning how to play, and what is this, and then what am I going to get back that's to? That's so fucking cool, like, and weird like what does it say about us that we're 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 the kind of people that demand innovation and cool new stuff in games but we're totally happy to just revert to the stuff that we're comfortable with i mean so it's, that, part like, of the, it's part of the investment though right yeah because i mean it's, it's not that i don't think the division is not doing anything new it's i mean for me like i destiny i jumped into and i enjoyed where it was going all these different things but i didn't get the bug you know what i mean and so i did sit i was very much sure. on the outside of the window a lot of times going like Oh, I'm glad hey you guys, guys are having so much fun. Fun in there. I would love to. Anybody want to come out and play? Yeah, you know what I mean. But like now that I'm in yeah. on the inside of that, and I granted I'm not on the inside. Like you know, I just hit level thirty last night. Fran, Ty, and I were playing, and it's like great. And uh, we had uh, one of Fran's fr- friends, uh, Arcane, on helping us out, just getting through this thing or whatever. And he's like talking another language, which is like to that point, it's like, ooh, I almost wish you weren't here because now you're terrifying me <laughs> to an extent of like how many more millions of hours do I have to put in to see what you're talking yep. about. But I'm excited to be there and do that now. How long? Like I, you know, I keep harkening <coughs> harkening back to this that it's my first weekend and my only weekend in April home where I'm not doing a trip or on yep. on something and so I'm just gonna play games on something like drugs uh, where I'm you know I'm, I'm gonna have time to play so it's like I know I'm gonna play I'm like when this is what I was talking about earlier too is to the point we're making people are like in the reviews I didn't read them all because I don't want to have a spoil but I'm catching people being jerks about stuff or being nice about stuff or whatever and quantum, quantum breaks only five and a half hours i got through it in six hours whatever but game took me 12 hours what are you talking oh, perfect. about good well some people are just maybe they're skipping all the things or whatever maybe but i like when i heard that my reaction was like oh cool i'm gonna be able to yeah. play that and something totally. else this like, weekend somebody was like uh firewatch is only two hours I'm like fuck yeah i'm gonna play that game three times <laughs> it's awesome yeah games are fun but yeah. we've gotten to a different place with them we're old men now yeah like i I still convince myself, oh, I'll totally play Dragon Age Inquisition someday. And like, I love that franchise. I have the history of Thetis book. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm reading it and I'm like obsessed with the Kunari and I love the lore of that world and I love the the story of its like ancient gods and history. And like, I love it and I'm not super into fantasy stuff. So it's really interesting that like, I, I really love it because it stands out as like, oh, this is the fantasy thing that I love. Yeah. But Inquisition is so alarmingly big. That I'm like, I really want to play it, and I've played the first six hours before, and I loved it. I can't wait to do it. Man, it's just like, I, I fear so much that I'm just going to fall off and not finish, and it'll be like, man, why did I do that? Like, I know that, I knew I wasn't going to finish it. Why did I start? But also, like, man, what if this is my new thing? What if I play 200 hours of Dragon Age? Yep. Both of those things are terrifying. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to make that choice. So I didn't do it. Same with The Witcher 3. See, Witcher 3 is when I was about Phenomenal to bring up. Phenomenal game that I just, I will love, and I will play obsessively but i'm scared of that yeah so i don't do it i played 26 hours i played 26 hours of witcher 3 had a great time not even out act one and it's like i was like i put it down for arkham knight which became metal gear which became you know fallout which became like you can just see the thing and it's like like, there was a weekend where i popped it back in i'm like oh finally something and i popped in like 
where the fuck am I? What, what am the I doing? fuck am I doing? And it's like, it's not even the same experience anymore. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm yes. not lost in that world. And so it's like, well, I'm never going to have RPGs that chance. are especially bad for that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, that's my terrifying thought for Persona 5. When Persona 5 comes out, oh, I'm, I'm just going to shut I'm everything just else. just playing Persona yeah, 5. Take time off and Cannot make wait. sure. I Cannot wait. I love Persona 5. Me too. I hope. No, we will. Okay. They can't screw it up, right? No, it's impossible. No, exactly. They're like the Zack Snyder video games. They can't screw it up. Next topic. And that could have been it, but I was like, you know what? We'll just put that in there as a long thing. Yeah, who cares? Everybody loves this. What I want to talk about is love blooming on the battlefield. Love in the games industry. Yeah. You are in a relationship with this Alexa Ray Cornea, I believe is how you pronounce it. Korea, as in the country. No, as in the eyeball. No? There's no one in the middle. Korea. C-O-R-R-I-E-A. Korea. Okay. That is not even... That no, is, I know how to say her name. This is all for the what? visual gag. That's the visual gag. I thought you were literally writing a note. I'm like, that is gibberish, no. sir. <laughs> Your penmanship is atrocious. I want to talk to you about this. I date Christine Steimer, also in the video yes. game industry. I met her at IGM. Uh, when you set off to do this, when you started falling in love with her, what was that like? I mean, you're, you're dating someone in the industry. Did you did you ever think you would? Did you ever think you didn't want to do that? Did you ever... like? Were there those kind of loaded questions? About I, I was always... <coughs> Jesus Christ, Greg, relax. Uh... I always told myself that I would I would avoid two specific things in any relationship. So, well, three things. So, I was always like, I never understood. Like, I need a gamer girl. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Like, do your own. Like, do what makes you happy. If that's cool. Do you? Yeah. Like, and like the I never expected anyone to be like, oh, I love games because you love games and we're gonna love games. It's like, oh, okay, just don't get mad at me because I play Dota. That's it. Sure. <laughs> that's all I require. Um, I also uh, never wanted to date anybody, primarily at IGN, and definitely not somebody in the industry. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like there's too many close friends, mutual friends, like professional compromises you need to make or whatever. I definitely did not want to do long distance. And I have absolutely (laughs) (laughs) done most of those things. Like Alexa is a, when I was at IGN, primary competitor at GameSpot. Yeah. Worked at Polygon when we started dating. Lived in New York. I lived in San Francisco. I am now moving to Montreal and she's staying in San Francisco. So like this is our second time doing long distance after we were like, oh, Finally, Thank God, don't that's do long distance anymore. That was terrible. Let's never do that. Let's do long distance. How long was long distance the first time? Almost a year. Oh, wow. Okay. And now it's indefinite. And we're bad at it because long distance is hard. Long distance sucks, yeah. yeah. It is real hard to like, oh, let's be on the phone, but I'm busy right now and you're busy later and then I got to eat and shit. Like, we got to figure something out. Like, you have to schedule, like, it. it's weird because like when you're in the same city or the same apartment as somebody you're you just go home and like oh cool this is our lives together always now it's like i need to literally schedule time to talk to you it's fucking crazy and you feel like you have to have something to talk about yeah and like sometimes you don't yep and like i'm super comfortable just sitting on the phone and not talking for a long period of time and some people aren't and some people are and like i don't know like if you're in a good relationship you figure that out yeah yeah that's the thing with you know christine just moved to la at the beginning of the year or whatever and us getting into that rhythm of how this works and how it is but it's like it is that thing of like man i love her and she's the best she's my best friend and da, da, da. yeah but like what did you do today i'm like same, uh, we, same Colin and Greg live we yelled at kevin this thing didn't go well and nick got real mad <laughs> and then i got real mad and then we yep. did a podcast and now i'm exhausted and i just ate and i feel like i have about 30 minutes to game before i'm gonna fall asleep so can we stop talking yeah and luckily I mean, she gets that well, she, you know what i mean so christine's also in a unique uh, position that I, like, i'm about to be in which is like what did you do today literally cannot tell you <laughs> like, i signed scary ndas and we cannot talk about it yeah yeah so, like exactly. now i need to improvise and be like oh uh well, I had a really good conversation with this person, and then we had a really cool launch at this place. How about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and She's like, like, I can't tell you anything because I like, saw either. <laughs> let's avoid... I, I just like I hate talking about work. 
sure. outside of work. So that's what's fascinating for me and with your relationship. So it, it's a bit of the, you know, Romeo and Juliet and turn of like, you know, Montague's and Capulet's Cap- yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like you were, and I know, I think you, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of got hired after the rah rah IGN fuck GameSpot because there was a time when it was that where it was like I think GameSpot people weren't yeah. allowed to talk to IGN people at events and we were always like we got to crush them and so blah, blah, blah. we when I was there it came from behind at one point like, when I was freelancing and I was at events it was very clear to me that like GameSpot people existed over here yeah. IGN people existed over here and you could talk to one of them but it was never like I just it was so weird to me like why aren't these people social because like, yeah. as a freelancer I try to talk to everybody yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and when I started it was like our group of people talked to fucking everyone at events and it was like oh this is different yeah. like people didn't really do this so it was like I caught the tail end of that um, so was it weird IGN. like when I mean because you were already dating when she took that job so was that she a was conversation a, she was in Polygon okay. when we started dating and it was like nobody brought it like they were like haha the other the enemy haha but it was like that was it nobody yeah. mentioned us to like Yay, the demise of our enemies. Like that that attitude didn't really exist. Okay. Thankfully. Yeah. Did you have to have a conversation with anybody? No. Okay, good. I mean, I, it's one of those things like you you, you really are you gonna tell me I can't? Like, <laughs> all right, luck. Dad. Well, I remember exactly. like when Steimer and I started dating, she was working at IGN. And like you know Well, and that's like a HR thing. You're like, and that was the thing. About that. I remember I was in Tokyo and I walked over and we were there for TGS and it was like, All right, we've been dating long enough, this is like an official thing. I should I should tell Tal. And I walked over and knocked on Tal's door and came in. He's like, Hey, what's up? I'm like, uh, I'm I'm gonna um Christy and I are dating. He's like, Okay. I'm like, do I do we have to sign anything HR? He's like, No, neither are your bosses. What do we care? I'm like, All right, see ya, bye. Pretty much. Like he didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I mean and the thing we talked about was like because there were like when she was transitioning out of Polygon to try to come out here, like she was talking to IGN, she was talking to GameSpot, she was talking to whoever else she was talking to, um, and she was like really, really excited about Spot, and that's where she ended up, obviously. Yeah. But there were moments where it's like, shit, if you come to IGN, like we'll be in the same office all day, we'll be seeing each other. Right. Someday you might work for me, or I might work for you, and it's like those conversations start getting weird. Oh yeah. It's like we need to think about like what are our careers if we work at the same company, or right? like if you're a direct competitor. How does that work? Like, what is our? How do we talk to each other at events? Like, and I, what I did you know. decide? Like, what? How did that ever? Did that get weird? Is it? Was it were, did you come home and like? No, because was it, it everything's on the table, or was it we're not going to talk about what happened here behind closed doors? I just never really talked about it because neither of us really cared. It wasn't like she was like, okay, what did you learn today? What secrets? And you, you, and you could just be like, I don't know anything about Final Fantasy. She's yeah. like, all right, cool, <laughs> yeah. thanks, don't care. No, we just we just led normal lives. Like after hours, it was like, okay, cool, let's like go to a bar and see our friends and go home and watch Netflix and like do regular things. Like, sure. The, the video game industry people that we were just vanished. It was like, no, we're just human beings now. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I tried to, like, I don't know. I'm not super thrilled to talk about work outside of work most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we worked all day. Now let's go to a bar and everyone's going to complain about work. I'm like, just stop. Just stop and talking. That, yeah, you know, it's or like, don't talk about the thing we did all day that was awesome. What was there? We don't need to, like, let's just talk about our lives and other cool things and like I don't know when Christy and I worked together like and lived together and we're dating the first time because we broke up for a year like that was I, what led it to it is the fact that we couldn't get out of that cycle where oh, it would man. be that we would be I, our relationship 
was founded on AIM, like I am each sure, other at work yeah, or whatever. Like flirtatious totally. IMs all day. And yeah. then she wasn't sure if they were real. So then when I took her on the first date and I was like, I'll pay for this. It's a date. She goes, is it? I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but she also did this re- really cute thing where she was in the old IGN office where we had the giant yeah. desk. She was on the other side of it. Or like I was in here and then she's a row over. So I couldn't see her, though. But I would write jokes to her or whatever. Whenever I'd say because I'm a real funny guy. And she'd literally laugh out loud. And then she'd write lol. <laughs> and I'd be like, I can hear you. Like, But it's also adorable because when I write lol, it's just like. <laughs> like oh that was funny I don't know anyways but, I don't uh, write lol when I lol you, you only uh, but that was the thing is like you got into that rhythm of we would I am all day about something that was happening at work yeah then talk about it on the walk home from work and then eat and talk about it and then yeah. you know it's like oh my god like wow. this I is guess, a nightmare so Alexa and I we knew each other because like oh you're that polygon girl you're that IGN guy okay we met at an event like playing Titanfall together yeah and it was like an like after a PAX thing it was like the after hours fight club with Titan, sure with the with the respawn team so we just played a bunch of Titanfall and we were like, haha, fuck this AI person who sucks. Haha. I have a nice life. And we didn't talk for a long time after that. But it was like Goldfarb went to New York for a work trip and they got drinks. And she was like, oh my God, I just started Buffy. And he's like, I don't care. You start to Mitch. <laughs> Mitch loves Buffy. Here's his number. And we just talked about Buffy and everything we ever talked about. Wait, so about. she just called you out of the blue one day? Or yeah, it was she like, hey, you? it's Alexa. I love Buffy. Oh my God, I'm in season one and it's weird and it's cool. What do you. And we just started bullshitting about this show. And it was like, a year later we started dating it was like nothing like we never had this flirtatious relationship before that it wasn't like oh this is all going somewhere sure it was just like oh it's that polygon girl talking about buffy this is great i love buffy and we bullshitted about other tv shows and games we were playing and it was just like texting a friend so we never really had the like industry person sure association it was just like oh this is this cool person yeah, yeah. That i know oh they're coming to san francisco to hang out cool let's hang out so suddenly we're dating. I was going to say, when did you notice you were going from just being industry friends to She dating? came out for a GDC and we just started like hanging out. Like I was like, oh, cool, you're coming. Like I'll come out to East Bay and hang out with you and like the people you're staying with. Sure. And, because we are all mutual friends and shit. And it was like, we just spent a whole bunch of time together and it was like, oh, I think this girl's super fucking cool. Amarise, do you think she thinks I'm super fucking cool? And we just ended up going out a bunch and like we had a friend so we were like oh we're all gonna go out and get dinner one night and then everybody like coordinated to bail on us <laughs> you're at a table for 12 just you two you're like exactly wow. and we're like shit i guess it's just us because like the xyz bailed oh so did abc shit it's just us and we just like we're like oh fuck this is accidentally a date <laughs> and it's going really well because we weren't thinking about it being a date so there's right. no pressure um, yeah, and it was just like, oh, like you and I click really well because we have a good rapport based on texting for a year about bullshit. Sure. And none of it was like, oh, let's complain about our jobs or talk about the things we love doing at Let our jobs. Let me tell you what I hate jobs, about you as a competitor. Jobs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, no. yeah, I don't know. We just never really talked about that because so, I didn't really care. Like, I don't, I don't care what Polygon's opinion of IGN is. True. You shouldn't. Nobody should care about what the other opinion are because no. you're sitting there gossiping like that. Go fuck yourself. Who the uh, just just do your fucking job. <laughs> I only care what boogie things of me. That's it. So, I guess then, what about this move, this change? You're going back to long distance, and like you know you're bad at it, and you know it sucks. Like, how so much does that weigh on it, both of you? The we were bad at it, and the thing I think now is like we were bad at it when we were figuring out what the relationship was. Yeah, and now it's like, oh, we're in love. We've been together for two years, and like it's gonna be hard and it's gonna suck because long distance fucking sucks. And like if you can avoid it, recommend you do so. Uh. But it's like, oh, like, I love this person and I care enough about them that I'm willing to have this like, strained relationship where I'm far away and you're far away, but 
Like, I care about you enough that we're going to do this because I would rather be in a relationship with you and far away than in a relationship with somebody else close, mm, mm. which I don't know. Like, I think that says a lot. Like you and Christine staying together is fucking awesome. Like, I love that. And it sucks for you guys, but it's still me going like, yeah, that's the shit. Good job, yeah. guys. Like, I, I appreciate and respect the hell out of that. Thank you. So now we're like, OK, we were bad at long distance. We're totally different people than we were then. Sure. Like it's been two years since we were like, uh, I think I like you and this is hard and call me. And now it's like we spend every fucking day together and we cook dinners together every night. And it sucks that we're not gonna be able to do that. But at the same time, like she can just like throw open her laptop, throw on FaceTime and call me and she'll cook dinner and we'll just talk. Good point. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I used to think it was like that was such a half measure for a relationship, but it's really not like talking to somebody is talking to somebody and it's it's not as great if they aren't in the same room but it works and it's good and it's like that is how you connect to a person whether it's somebody you're in a relationship with or somebody you're just like oh i haven't talked to my mom in a while i'll facetime them right right like it's it's about maintaining that relationship and being like oh like you need support call me it's one of those two for me that i think uh it mixes the sweet with the sour for in a way you know what i mean in the way that like when i'm sad or depressed which happens once in a while it's like it's worse because it's just me and Porty or whatever, you know what I mean? I don't want to call Christine Bucker now. But then when we're together, like all of a sudden that's, you know, because I like, we live together for forever. You know what I mean? Sure. And then it totally was one of those like, you know, I, I you know, I became a, a Guild Wars 2 widower here where I'd be like, I'd come home, she'd go play, I'd cook dinner, she'd come out and eat as fast as she could and then run back to her dungeon. And it's like, it was awesome and fine. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. But we did shit like that all the time where we took each other's time for granted sure. that we were in the same room and I'd sit out here and watch something or she'd play something or vice versa. And we, you know, we didn't really talk. So now to sit down and really talk yeah, is different yeah, yeah. to go like, you know, we, she came up for GDC and then we went to South by together and like to have each other around for those things, those occasions, those parties. It's different than when it would be a random. I'm going to go do this, uh, you know, IGN yeah. bar goodbye thing. You want to come now? I'm good. All right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's going to be like, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff like because we have a lot of mutual friends. So now it's going to be hard for me to like, oh, you're going out tonight. Cool. You should totally go like hang out with Marty and then send me a million pictures and make me really sad. Right. No, like, no, no, that no. kind of thing sucks. But it's also like I miss this and I want you to go have that good time, even though I like I'm jealous. I can't be there. Yeah. No, that was the thing, thing over the weekend. Christine went to a friend's birthday party down in L.A. And it's like totally one of those. I would I I would never miss this except that it's Scott Lowe's bachelor party. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. she's I had to tell her to stop sending photos. I'm like, hey. I love everything that's happening yeah. here. It's breaking my heart not to be there with you on your arm to see all this and celebrate yep. this person. You know what I mean? Yep. You, you got to stop right there. <laughs> and those, but those are the, you know, the boundaries and the, te- I think you find the test it all out. Yeah. I don't know. We had the, it's interesting. Cause like you mentioned, like when you're depressed, you go to her for support. We have this interesting conundrum where when I'm bummed out, like when I get hit with a wave of depression, yeah. I'm like, leave me the fuck alone. Like I just want to be alone. I want to read a book in a quiet room alone. Uh, and obviously, because Alexa is a caring person, she's like, what can I do to help? And I'm like, like get the fuck literally away from me. nothing like this will pass. It's fine. Like the fact that you are you care enough to ask is more than enough. Yeah. I'm good. Thank you. Whereas when she gets upset, it's like I want to I have the same thing. Where I'm like, how can I help? She's like, just sit with me. Just spend time with me. Yeah. So we have the opposite issue. Interesting. And now that I'm moving away, it's like, well, if I get upset, I'm good. Great. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Problem is solved. But if she's hurting, I'm like, fuck, I can't do anything. Like I am so helpless to be able to support you when you need me like that feeling sucks. Yeah. Did you, I mean, how much of a discussion was it? Were you talking about letting this sounds horrible, but letting the relationship get in the way of this goal, this job, this kind of next dream that's being handed to you. We talked about a lot of hypotheticals, right? Like what if we just 
stopped dating. Time and I did the same thing. And it's like that's a shitty conversation to have, and yeah. neither of us wanted it. And we're like, okay, okay, well, like, what do we want? This. Okay, so we agree. Then we're staying together. We'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. But it, like, you have to weigh the options and figure out like what is best for everyone here. How do we like? Is ripping off the bandaid better for everyone? We both agree, no. Great, let's not do that. Yeah. And you just have to be like, you have to, have to, have to in any relationship be super fucking transparent about that kind of stuff, because. Like, if I said, hey, would this be easier for you if we just stopped dating altogether? And if her answer was like, yeah, honestly, like, I really don't want to do long distance and it would be really painful to be in a relationship while you're not here. Okay. Then that's like, that fucking sucks for a million reasons. But like, that's best for you. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, we were like, we both kind of came to the decision of like, hey, I care about you and I love you a lot. Uh, I would rather try this and just totally fuck it up and ruin everything. That's than, what we did. Then <laughs> say, you know what? We had a good run. Let's throw in the towel and uh, not worry about what might have been. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would rather stay, stay with it and go like, oh, I fucked up. I was a bad boyfriend. And now, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would rather. At least you know. Exactly. You know what I mean? It says, so what we always talk about was kind of funny where we could, uh, there, was, there was those discussions of like, maybe we don't jump now, but if we don't jump now. We're going to always sit here and go, what if we had jumped now? Yeah, and it's always about accountability, like being responsible for your own life and yeah. having control over your own life and compromising that with somebody else's wants and needs. That's like if you can find a happy compromise that makes both people happy, you've done a good job with your relationship. And sometimes it's really fucking hard and sometimes there is no compromise. But thankfully, she's awesome and understanding and totally excited about my new job and encourages me to do it. And we're just like, yeah, like this is so important to me to do this and you super understand that we're just going to figure it out. Yeah. Were games a big part of your relationship here? Like, no. We're, no? No. Um, we've played we've played some stuff together. Like, we played through Firewatch together, and uh, we played through Oxenfree, and we played some games we were reviewing at the same time together, but it wasn't like, oh, yeah, like, every Friday we sit down and we have a co-op game. Like, we just didn't do that, because, like, games were our jobs, so we came home. We're like, let's do anything else. Like, let's sit in the living room silently and eat an amazing dinner that we cooked together and read never talk or let's sit and watch Netflix shows for 16 hours on a Saturday (laughs) or let's go out on a date and not talk about work or video games. Like games are such a huge, major important part of my life, but they are not an important part, important part of my relationship at all in any capacity, whether it's work or personal or whatever. And sometimes it'll come up where I'm like, Oh yeah. Like how is the final fantasy event? Like tell me all about this work trip you went on for this game you're excited about. And that becomes a like excited point of conversation or whatever. But she talk about us, how good we were. Of course. Thank you. Uh, but it's never like, like, I don't know. Every now and then she'll ask me like, how are the Dota games last night? And I'm like, yeah, they were fun. Like, it's not, and the question is not really about the game. Cause she doesn't give a shit about Dota too. She's like, how was your evening with, you know, like, oh, it's great. I got to hang out with Jay and Brian and Miranda and they all said hello. And we had a really good time. We cracked some jokes. I caught yeah. up with some friends on the East coast. It was great. Cool. <laughs> and that, that becomes the conversation rather than like let's talk about our our experiences with video games like, we don't do the like the we both reviewed a game let's let's have an analytical oh sure 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 we just don't care yeah yeah like that's the one thing like uh Steinman and i need like it, it wasn't every weekend for sure but there was a lot of co-op gaming yeah where it's like let's move the other team let's have the two screens mm-hmm. set up and we like when she came up this last trip uh i i, I re-rolled a division character a true sign of yeah, love yeah, yeah. so that i could play with her because why the fuck would you of course division developers make a way for people to play with their high level characters with the lower level character why would anybody want that no, it's fine it's not like that's been a problem since diablo 2 it's not like a million games have solved it like guild wars 2 it doesn't yeah. matter at all no nobody should have thought that through no that's the thing is like now maybe that does become part of our lives maybe that is a really good way that we can like do stuff together because like 
you can go out on dates and you can go out with friends and you can go home and watch Netflix and that's doing something together. Yeah. We can't do things together in different places. We can talk on Skype, we can talk on FaceTime, whatever. But the act of like, oh, we did that together doesn't really exist. And games are a really fucking great way to do that. Mm -hmm. So maybe that'll change. Maybe that's something we do more of. Make her play the the Dotas. There you go. No. She wouldn't. I would never do that to her. (laughs) (laughs) Topic number four, Mitch. Yes, sir. As always, comes from the community over at kindoffunny.com slash forums, where I posted that you were coming on the show, and they posted a bunch of questions. Speaking of Dota, Gregway. Apology writes in and says, Hi, Mitch. You get a lot. Hi. Oh, sorry. Hi. Hi. Hi, Apology. Hi, Apology. You get a lot of heat for loving Dota 2 or MOBAs in general. Various devs have come and gone trying to explain to Greg and others why they should get into the genre. What's your elevator pitch about why you like MOBAs and what would be a good place to start if someone is curious about jumping in for themselves? Apology. P.S. Best of luck at UB. I mean, at whatever you might end up doing next, smiley emoticon. Apologies, one of those guys. He, yeah. He's going to make all the predictions, see if he can it's get It's funny. You. It's been really funny watching people guess where I'm going. How many have gotten it right? <sighs> I think literally one. <laughs> and not even like a specific. They didn't like nail it, but you're no, like, oh, that's close, close enough. Close enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there is no, there's no definitive like, oh, if you want to learn to play MOBAs, play this because they're all so goddamn different. And that's the thing that people don't understand if they don't play them is like, they'll look the same. With like the exception being like, oh, Smite looks a little different because the camera angle, sure. but it's very similar in a lot of ways and also very different in many others to a lot of different MOBAs because they all draw from each other and learn from each other. And Dota 2's most recent updates have been like very heavily inspired by League of Legends. Mm. Um, but the elevator pitch, I don't know. For me, it's always been like cool five on five competitive cooperative multiplayer games with distinct heroes, each with unique abilities that uh, combine in different ways. That is mechanically why it's great. On a more meta level, the reason I play and love MOBAs is because I get to spend a huge amount of time working together with people I love. Like, I spend a ton of time with my friends playing Dota 2, and it feels good to be like, oh, I'm going to go help Jay, and after that, we're going to route up and we're going to back up Katie, and together we're going to accomplish a thing because we're a good fucking team. And that feels really good. In the same way that playing the Division feels good because you're like, oh, we all, you know we were there for each other. We revived each other. We covered each other. We had support items for each other. I protected Fran. He protected Ty. He backed me up. Like that stuff works. And that is the, the essence of social gaming. And that's why Guild Wars is so good at it. And that's why wow has been good at it for ever 13 years, 14 years. Um, if you want to get into MOBAs, I would recommend not starting with Dota two, but at the same time, starting with Dota two, See, the hardest part, I remember distinctive, distinctive, oh, God, it's been a long day, distinctly. distinctly, when you walked into the office one day and you were like, I started playing Dota 2 last night and it sucks. I hate, I hate it. it. I hated and it. And then it was literally like two days later, it came in and it was like, after 15 hours, it clicked and I love this game. It was the Far Cry 2 problem where I played Far Cry 2 and I was like, this game sucks. It's like really hard and unnecessarily punishing and kind of clunky and there's no fast travel that makes any sense and it's hard to get around and this is weird. And then after a certain amount of time of suffering, I was like, oh, fuck, that was the point. Cool. This is that. And now I understand the rules of this game and I'm playing it differently. And now it's great. 
with Dota 2, I was like, I hate the writing. I hate the, the characters are all punny and they're all stupid and they all crack jokes all the time. And now, like, I adore that. It is like, it is the heart and soul of that game's personality. And I, I hinge on those jokes. And friends and I will constantly, like, Alexa and I will be talking about something and I'll just pop out a Dota quote. She's like, what? what? Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. She sprays water in your face. Like, yeah. bad, bad Mitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, and it's just so deeply ingrained in me. Um, where what was the where were we what was the topic we're talking about what mobus where you yeah. jump off from and how you I have, started going it, you hated it. it you hated, I hated it, it. You I hated it and I, I played for a few matches and i had uh leah jackson at igm was teaching me and she was very patient and very understanding and i was like this is great i'm learning a lot i just don't think this is for me at all and i just kind of kept playing because i felt obligated to i like i it's mobus is such a massive growing genre that i knew nothing about and i felt like i need to as somebody covering games be aware of everything. Like I need to be aware of everything. Yeah. And the consequence was I stopped caring about literally everything else because this was amazing. This was the game for me. And I love Dota two. And that made me love league of legends. It made me love smite and infinite crisis. Here's the storm. It's all right. Uh, so I think it just took spending a bunch of time with it. And finally like, Oh, playing with friends after I felt competent, sure. Playing with people who could then like teach me what I was doing wrong. And then actually pulling something off with a friend where it's like, I, used a skill on that guy, which allowed Brian to come in and use a skill on that guy. And then Katie came in and killed him. We did it. That was really good teamwork. And now we have an advantage and I get to buy a cool item that do more fun stuff. And like that escalation really, really, really clicked, but it took literally 25 hours or Jesus more maybe. Christ. And it's like, that is not remotely acceptable. <laughs> like that is not <laughs> after 50 hours. It's great. Don't just play for 50 hours. It's oh, the final fine. fantasy 13 theory. Okay, exactly. Um, but at the same time, like if you're going to play MOBAs, I, I've always said like never start with Dota 2 because it's so fucking hard. Start with something. I, I hate the word simpler because it sounds like a pejorative, but League is simpler in that it's like it's just more accessible and it makes more sense in a lot of ways to someone playing it. Smite is even more accessible just because it's like uh, from a perspective perspective it works. Uh, you can play with a controller and it works. Shop stuff is kind of taken care of for you if you want to handle it that way. Um, Heroes of the Storm is a really good entry point for understanding heroes and how they function, how they work together, regardless of the objectives and maps and things that I didn't love in that game. How's this Paragon shaping up? I don't know. I've only played a little bit. It seems okay. cool, but I don't know enough about it to speak intelligently about it yet. Sure. That was the thing, uh, you know, like, you know, Colin and I were always making fun of MOBAs just because we, don't, we yeah. don't, we don't care. I sure. love that you love it. I'm, everybody should love what they love. But that was like the greatest, like fucking twist at PSX the they're one like, more thing we're, no 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 they, they ahead of time they're like hey so we're doing we're not doing the playing cards this year we're doing these car, collectible cards for every one of the games oh yeah and Paragon's the and most one, rare and one of the developers wants, wants to give you a card for your panel we're like oh fuck yeah who and they're like we can't tell you but are you in I'm like yeah of course we're in and then afterwards we go up there like, here are all your Paragon cards like oh fuck do you know who we are <laughs> amazing <laughs> Um, but at the same time I started with Dota 2 and because I started with Dota 2 and suffered and learned and it was the hardest thing I've ever experienced in like learning to play a game and sure. like the most mentally exhausting thing because it is like an encyclopedic amount of information to have a baseline understanding of how to play a game and be effective. It's crazy. It, like it's, it's so demanding that in doing that I went to another MOBA and I, I went to League after like two years of not playing. I was like oh I feel like a god. Like I feel like I'm really <laughs> good at League. And I feel really good about how I play Smite because it's, and it's probably true the other way around. Like had I started with League, I'd probably transition to Dota and be like, well, this is weird and complicated, but, but I get I it. I get it. Yeah. And again, they are very different games that have different demands of the player. 
and different flaws too. Um, not because <laughs> it is an imperfect genre across the board, but I love it so much. Um, but I just I just felt like I was readier for every MOBA that's ever come since having spent twenty three hundred hours with Dota. That makes sense. I would hope that would make you an expert at it. Yeah. All right, that's your good elevator pitch. Only took nine minutes. Now this one I like because it takes us back to our roots. George says, "Hey guys, hey George, what are your hopes for Walking Dead season three? And have you started Michonne nice. miniseries? Any thoughts you have? Good luck in your future endeavors, Mitch. Let's do Michonne first. Have gotcha. You... I've only done episode one. Me too. Episode two dropped while I was on this crazy travel. Yeah, uh, and I'm not gonna play it. Why? I thought the first episode was fine at best. Okay. I love Michonne as yeah. a character. She's awesome. Uh, I think I've sort of reached capacity with The Walking Dead." Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm way behind on the comic, which might be great. Oh, you mean overall as a, as a franchise, Walking Dead? You're over. I you're, definitely don't I, care about the show. Um, this season sounded great until they just they were like tricked. You were not doing Negan until next year. Um, Fucking shit out. Yeah, ending. stupid ending. But with the games, I've always been like, oh, this is like some people were down on season two, and I was like, no, this is awesome. They're still doing really great stuff. Telltale is really clever about how they do stories in this universe and i feel like michonne is not mm. michonne is not a clever way to do a story in this universe and that's not to say it's a bad game by any stretch like it is still totally like if you like the series you're probably gonna like this yeah. fans of the genre it is it's fine and there's some good characters and there's some good moments but by and large i just didn't care about the people she was with what problems she got into and what was to come i think I'm I'm I I am more up on it. I'm gonna beat the next two things, but I did end episode one, and I was like, okay, I whatever. I have it's it's not it's not the Telltale Walking Dead where I think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you and I don't think would have had a great no uh, we wouldn't have sat in a meeting room with 45 minutes and been like, oh my god, what did you do? Exactly, because it's not that. But what I what I find super interesting about it is that you know in Walking Dead uh, one and two. I sat there and if I'm playing as Lee, if I'm playing as Clem, Clem a bit different with the second time around, but she's my Clem and I'm making her mine. Yep. Whereas with Michonne, she's defined a character. I know so well. It's the, I was using the silence option left and right. Like I, I'm like, oh, Michonne yeah. wouldn't respond yeah, yeah, to totally. this. Michonne wouldn't do this. She's not going to talk to this bitch who she doesn't know. And da, 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 da. And like there's that. And then also, so uh, which I like, that's the part I like. Yeah. But I remember coming into this and it being how, where are you in the comics? Roughly ballpark. Uh, minor spoilers they just let negan out of prison okay 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 good so when they announced this and being a comic nerd and they're like it's going to fill in the gap in time and all this different stuff i was like like, that arc is awesome and i was like holy shit how are they going to explain that and then you pick up the game you're like holy shit they're not oh it's completely fucking unrelated this is just happening in that gap of time but it's like as a reader and even let's say that as you maybe an outside fan who doesn't understand that's happening what does that give you in terms of stakes in terms yeah. of caring in terms and of that, motivation that's my big problem is the the context for this game is not interesting yeah whereas the context for lee's story and clem's story were fascinating yeah and i think that lee and clem both had a vulnerability to them that michonne does not so i'm never i'm never afraid for her and that's the other thing too is like since we know where this falls in the timeline it's like well we know it's like glenn in season one it's like, well, he's going to get out of here. Don't need I don't yeah. have to worry about Glenn being in trouble. You or, know what I mean? And even if it's like, if any of these characters die around her, like, and anybody who did die, I was like, I don't care. Yeah, like exactly. That. There's no, or there's I just nothing. thought it was dumb. Like, that person should not have died. There was no purpose for that other than to be shocked. And that's the thing is like, it's clearly, it's a 400 days, right? It's like this interstitial, it's something that's here that, you know, we're trying out new things with the engine. Yeah. They're doing new things. And that's great. Cool. Which is fine. Yeah. I just, it just didn't click with me in the same way that 400 days did. Like, sure. I love 400 days. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. 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 Like I'll get back to it. I'm going to play him, but it's, it also, it's a great example of like, I, until this question, I kind of forgotten that episode Me two too. was out. And like, to oh. our earlier conversation, like it's just, it's a game that is fine and is enjoyed by a lot of people I know and love and respect and whatever, but it just doesn't feel important or necessary to me. Sure. Like it's like, okay, that's fine. It's a, it's a good game, but I'm just going to do other stuff. So what about season three then? I don't know. Like it's obviously happening. Um, I don't know what I would want from it because what we wanted from season two was so clearly a Clementine story. Like we all, like you and I talked about this, like season two is Clem, season two is Clem, let yeah. us be Clem. And they did. And now, like, I really loved season two and his endings were so potentially different that for them to pick up anywhere after that, it's either, one of two things has to happen is it has to be a different story about a different person. Yeah. It cannot be about these characters. And I would love to see them do new characters. Or, I wanted to do something that Walking Dead has never really done and flash forward like 10, 20 years and be like older, way more badass Clementine. Yeah. Lead, like leading her own troop. This is the person she's become in the wake of Lee and Kenny and Luke and all these other people. Yeah. So I, I would I love that know. too. Because my concern is like what you're saying is that the endings were so different, but I feel like there's a way that even if, and this is spoilers for walking to season two, we should, even if your game ended where mine did my, my real playthrough, which is Clem with the kid walking into the, the horde, you mm-hmm. know, painted up like she's just fuck it. I'm over it and I'm a badass and I can do this. You could still easily have it be that she still makes it to the Virginia town, which name is currently escapes me, uh, but yeah. you know what I'm talking about this uh, Wellington, right? No. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Okay. When she makes it to the mm-hmm. Wellington, which still doesn't but sound right. But then it's right. like, well, is it with or without certain people? Sure, but I mean, th- there's always a way to explain around that, right? Yeah. Like you could even just be that you don't talk about it, and that that'd be totally. weird because I don't think they're gonna do the whole like get your save back and bring this. Yeah, and it would be I don't know. It might even be weird for her to be like, hey, remember Kenny? And you're like, why are you talking about? Yeah, this? why would you bring this guy up? That like you could. I mean, things ended badly for my last group. You know Done. what I mean? Because yes. that's it. Because he, 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 he yeah. she got inside by herself. Well, with the baby, but by herself, regardless, right? Yes. Like that doesn't matter. That part doesn't matter. So there's ways around it, or whatever. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they do. Um. I'm more excited for everything else Telltale. I was going to say, what about Batman? Yeah, Batman's the one. Batman sounds awesome. They have a Marvel project I'm excited to learn more about, too. They have their original IP, which I'm excited to learn more about. They've been quiet on that for like two years. Yeah. All right, I really want a Wolf Among Us sequel. You're not going to get that crap. I know. (laughs) Probably not going to get another Borderlands either. Which is heartbreaking. Yeah. When, but it's, it is and it isn't. I mean, it was Tales from the Borderlands. Perfect. Awesome. Play yeah. Tales from the Borderlands. So if you did great. It. I forget what award it was up for recently. It didn't win. And I was like, yeah, uh, no fucking way. You know, not a game like, of year. I don't care about that franchise. 100%. I've never well, cared about Like I reviewed the first Borderlands and I was like, this is a great RPG. Yeah. I don't find the world or characters that interesting. And some things are frustrating. Borderlands two. I was like, handsome Jack's great. I'm kind of over the loot grinding sure. and loot system. It's fine. I had a good time playing with Clements, but really miserable time playing alone. But fucking Tales from Borderlands is so good. That was the thing about Tales from Borderlands. When it got announced, I was like, eh. like yeah. And just, I like Borderlands, but I was the same way. Like, I just ignored I don't play it Borderlands entirely. for the world. I totally. I, yeah. I, somebody told me, oh, they announced a Telltale Borderlands. I'm like, what? What? Why? <laughs> and I saw the first demo and I was like, this is fine. Yeah. But it really took playing the first episode to go like, Holy man, they have shit. brought some character to this world yeah. in a way that even the full 40 plus hour RPGs couldn't. I always talk about it. Like I had it on my XMB for like a week and a half or whatever. And finally I, and I was in one of those moods. I was cranky and I was playing all, I, nothing was hitting, hitting it. And I popped out. I was like, well, I got two hours before bed. I can knock this out and see what it's about. And like five minutes in, you're laughing out loud. I'm like, holy shit, this just turned my day around. Yep. And like these characters and those, the intros that they did, like, oh like the God, music and stuff. So I was like, good. holy shit, this game's amazing. Yeah. Love Tales of Borderlands. 
So there you go. That's what we think of Walking Dead Season 3. Play Tales from the Borderlands. <laughs> uh, all right. Next. Cree 16 says, Hey, Greg and Mitch. Hey. Long time, first time. My question is for Mitch. What is your absolute favorite gaming memory? I know it's hard to pick one. For me, it was the sixth grade, staying up till 7 a.m. playing Elder Scrolls Oblivion with my older brother for 15 hours straight. We haven't had an experience like that since, and it just holds a special place in my heart. So what is yours, Mitchie D? Thanks, Cree 16. I want to cheat. I have a couple. Uh, I rented Suikoden 2 from a video store back when. Uh, those existed yeah yeah uh and a friend and i were like oh this this rpg is really cool like we're not really into jrpgs but this one has like a really fascinating story and we like the characters and the drama is actually really interesting and we just never got to finish it and we rented it again and started over rented it and then we just did this over and over like fuck what was it about i remember loving it i remember this character and eventually we're like you know what fuck this we're gonna rent it we're gonna play through it this weekend if it kills us we played through all of sweden 2 in like in like 72 hours, we played about 60. Jesus. It was like nonstop. It was gross. And we must have been like 16 or something. Yeah. And I just, I loved it because it was fi- like, it's my favorite JRPG ever. Like equal to or greater than Persona 4 <gasps> for me. Okay. Scandalous. Yeah, I know. Uh, And I just, I adore that story and it has stuck with me so profoundly because I experienced it that way. And we just, you know, we did the thing where we hand off and on, off and on. Yep. And, like that game had dialogue choices that i don't know really if they amounted to anything but it meant a lot to us to be like man i cannot fucking believe you picked that i cannot believe you stayed silent during that moment like that kind of stuff was really interesting to play with with a friend 100 uh another really good one is i organized this uh, recreational dota 2 tournament and it was like life sucking because <laughs> it was so much to worry about like organizing 80 players across like 16 teams and getting their schedules aligned and it was a nightmare of just getting it to work but man like once we were in it and i was watching these games and like casting my first ever dota game while watching my 10 friends play against each other in a match that like was super competitive and really fun and friendly like that that brought my love of dota 2 to another level because at that point it's like oh this is a game i like a lot i'd love to get a bunch of people together to play it who really love it like i do but for it to become something that like was as well loved as it was between all those people it was like okay holy shit like we made a thing that that was cool even meaningful. as an outsider who didn't understand dota 2 and doesn't understand dota 2 and it was so but like cool. watching all those people everyone on twitter talk about yeah, it and like, it's like here's the cool. square enix montreal team playing against <clears throat> the telltale guys or giant bomb is playing against whoever like having those sort of associations with every team it's like oh this is ign this is 2k and it was just awesome to see like it was about the it was people in the games industry but it wasn't about the games industry and it wasn't people like sort of like we're repping 2K. It's just like, oh, here's like a bunch of people from 2K. This is like just, how we are assembled. It was just so fucking fun to see that and see people get really excited about like, who are these guys? Oh, that's cool. Okay, cool. And they had like a frame of reference for people they didn't know playing against people they did. Very nice. Final question for you, Mitchie D. Yeah. On this episode of the Kind of Funny Games cast. Chase. Hi, Chase. If you could choose any studio or individual to head up an Act Razor reboot, who would it be and why? What advice would you give them to make a proper reimagining fit for modern audiences? Best. Oh, sorry. Nope. Been listening to you since your first episode of Unlock. Thanks for the thought provoking perspectives and your infectious attitude towards games. Well, thank you. He speaks for all of us. Oh, uh, there is no studio. I would give that game to because if I could give the rights to anybody, I would give them to me. I would take, I would do despicable things to get those rights from square. I really, I have a design doc in my Google Drive right now <laughs> for what my ActRaiser game would be. 
Got a different name. You can actually do I this got, now. You're getting into games. You're going yeah. to make it. Maybe this is the game you're going to make. Yeah, 20 years from now, when I go indie, I'll make this game. There you go. Uh, yeah, man, I fucking love ActRaiser, and I'm really bummed out that ActRaiser 2 what it was what it was. And now I've just got like so many cool ideas that I have no idea how to execute on in any way, but I have cool ideas for what a new ActRaiser-like game would be. Uh, and I just have this, <laughs> this stupid design doc of like random dumb ideas and what might work and what might not, and what if we could try this. Um, but I really love that series because it marries like 2D action platforming with God Sim stuff. And it on a Super Nintendo, like they just have the technology to make it really a simulation. Whereas now you could do really fucking interesting stuff with the way people behave based on what a God does to them and the way the kind of rules that that God might impose on them or not. And then how those cultures might affect other cultures in a perimeter. Sure. sure. Like there's really interesting stuff you could do. Uh, that nobody's ever done, and I don't. So, Act Razor and Bushido Blade. Why has nobody just remade and stolen these games? Because sometimes games are too good and they can't be redone. Where yeah, the fuck is point. why isn't why aren't all the wrestling games just No Mercy again? Yeah, they keep trying to do all this other shit that doesn't. Oh, we get a sim wrestling. Fuck off! Nobody, nobody wants cares. that. Nobody we want cares. the cool shit. I want to get a baseball bat from under the stage and knock a man out. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't want, want it to look weird when I do it. I want to rip Sting's fake face off? And well, I don't know if that ever happened. I know we're ripping faces. Yeah, off. yeah. It'd be. A, you remember if anybody was like a Rey Mysterio and you got behind them oh, and did like the, no, no, the head right, choke? Right, 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 if you did right, it enough, right. you'd rip their mask. I th- off. I'm sorry. I thought you meant the flesh off their face. No, it just it was the same thing where Sting's makeup I mean, would be gone. Okay, okay. That'll give you. Okay, that's fine. That was the best. Very strange. A lot of people overthink video games. Um, now that you go to indie games, don't overthink them. Yeah. Just make them good. Yeah. Just make them cool. Yeah. No, I always used to think like, oh, it'd be really great to give the God part to Sid Meier and the action game part to like Tominobu Itagaki. Yeah. That'd be and, like definitely weird awesome shit mashup. like that used to excite me. Now I'm like, no, just give it to me. I'll, I'll hire some people. Give me a studio. Give me some money. It's that easy square. He's all set. He's making games. Now. <laughs> it's that easy. He knows so much. I love that goddamn game so much. I love you. I love so you. Damn much. Mitchy D. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been. The first ever episode 65 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. The first ever one-on-one Mitch and Greg podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey as we talk to our good friend Mitch. Remember, the Kind of Funny Games cast posts early over on Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. You can go there, pick it up. But if you have no bucks to toss our way, head over to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. We post it topic by topic, day by day, until the entire thing posts for free the following Friday as an MP3 and video. Mitch, I can't wait to find out what you do next because there's no way you would have told me. No, I'm going to miss you though. I keep all my secrets. I'll see you in 65 weeks. 65 weeks. We got to get that back. Somebody uh, remind us. Apology. Somebody, somebody like week 60, 57. Let me know. So I can get the, the plane. Start tickets planning. Yeah, yeah, we'll get, we'll figure out yeah. a visit because you'll be fucking rolling in money by then. You of course. Afford to fly me out. It'll be great. Exactly. We'll just make it a Patreon tier goal. Perfect. Okay. Mitch, I love you. Love you. I'm going to miss you. I'll miss you too, man. All right. For real. The weird hugs. Until next time. It's been our pleasure to serve you.